the judgment. I think one of the reasons that, that it's been overturned but people haven't talked about it internally, the judges, was I think because the, the birth rate is so low in America. I think yeah. the birth rate is like 1.5 and to maintain a population yeah, you need a minimum of two, okay. right? Yeah. So, so they're on the way to, to having 180 million people in the next 60 years, right? Mm. As soon as this generation yeah, yeah, passes way. over. Yeah. So I think that's one of the cases, and I think they're, they're trying to, to, to reinforce and get the population a little bit more going. Mm. And I think that's also one of the reasons why Biden hasn't been so tough on the border Yeah. to, to help that along. Germany had that same problem. That's yeah. why they, they, they it took him a lot of uh, Syrian refugees in order to, to maintain their population. Uh, Japan has been struggling for, what, for 40 years now? Decades now, now yeah. yeah. Yeah? No, and you saw with the whole one-child policy in China, right? It's and been they disastrous. Had they had to abolish that because at the end of the day, yes, it, it works for a while because you want to you know, get your economy back, you want to build your uh, country, but eventually they saw the pitfalls of that. Well, I mean, officially well. They, s they say that the population for men is like 52%. Uh -huh. Which I don't know if that's a real, right? Who knows? <laughs> exactly. And so in a population of like a billion people, that's like what? Uh, two, 20 million people, basically. 20 million uh, men who, d who men. can't f find yeah. a woman in the country. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a huge. That's huge. No, of course. And that's, that's the biggest issue. Um, well, let nature take its course. That's what I say. Yeah. Let, let people do whatever they want. Take responsibility for uh, their own life and move on with it. You, you had a really interesting point because this is exactly what, what very similar to what my, uh, our family friend said, Abdullah. Um, he, he was very successful in business, opened a mazaa mm -hmm. in, in, uh, in Saudi, uh, got some Indian workers to come and just do the field. And he would just sit in a small doha, in small house okay. with bl black label and just get drunk every <laughs> single day. <laughs> And then when I talk to him about it, he goes, you have family, you have kids. What are you doing? I worked for them. Okay. Now, all my kids have jobs. I gave my, uh -huh. my wife uh, six kids. Halas <laughs> now. It's my turn. <laughs> now it's just my turn. And, and he, he, would be, he would be very adamant. Like he, he would invite you, you can come, you can drink a little bit with him. We can watch some news, yeah. and then after a certain point, when he had enough of you, he had to say, "Shuf, tap method. That's it." <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, there's a lot of merit in both. You know, uh, Democrats have gone so far left. Uh, you know, oh, we can talk US, about this. Right? Yeah. So they've gone so far left uh, mm. on the spectrum, where even people who were Democrats before, they're like, uh, "This doesn't work." It's the same thing with Canada, by the way. You know, when uh, Justin Trudeau, now, of course, Canadians are a lot more liberal. And they get a lot, the liberals get a lot from uh, the government and whoever government is on the liberal side because they're very pro-immigration, which Canada needs, right? It needs immigrants because population, we're talking about the U.S. is what, 350 now? Yeah, about that. Or, or 60, maybe? Yeah, 350, oh, 360. Canada hasn't even hit 100. Right, and it's a bigger country by landmass, right? So they still need a lot of people, and they still need to encourage people to come in and so on. Uh, but then, when you get the liberals in, which basically encourage immigration, on the other side, the whole cultural aspect is a problem because they then push so much to the left 
that they piss off all the conservatives in the country. And you have a lot of conservatives in Canada as well, there's just like the U.S. There's a really, really good book, and it's called The Fixer, and it's mm -hmm. by a guy uh, named Tusk. Uh, he ran the election for Bloomberg. Mm -hmm. uh, he ran the election for uh, Bloomberg, and there was another bit. Oh, yeah, he, he, he did the whole Uber thing. Where Uber okay. was having trouble in the yeah. uh, in New York because they wanted to cap the amount of, of, of potential drivers that could work mm -hmm. in New York. That's the that's the book right there, the okay. fixer. Yeah, yeah. And he makes a really interesting statement. He says that politicians can be broken up into four categories. He says the first ones are are play, pay to pay to play. Okay. Basically, these are guys yeah. who exactly right. Then uh, he said backbenchers, mm -hmm. meaning they they get put they love the running. Yeah. But they don't like the governing. Yeah. So they, they love to run for mayor or governor or whatever, and then they just don't want to deal with anything. Yeah, they, they like the pre prestige of it. <laughs> exactly. And then he, he said you have the true believers, you know, like your, your um, uh, the, that socialist guy. What's his name? Uh, not Tony. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And then uh, finally you have something that's a mixture of all three categories. Mm -hmm. he, he makes a really interesting point. He said when you look at New York, for example, with Bloomberg, you have a total population of around 10 million New Yorkers. Yeah. But his base is about 800,000. Mm. So all policies that he's going to make are for those hundred. Are for those 800,000, yeah. right? A and so that's why it get the, the, the extremes get further and further and further into yeah. the extremes because they're just tar targeting that segment for a yeah, different but, but that's, uh, that's an issue. You know, uh, if you look at uh, the book, um, the recent one, A Changing World Order okay. uh, by uh, Dalio. Mm. You know the the guy that you know describes the changes very well, and you, if you look at the U.S. now as an empire, if you know, we can call it that, it definitely the whole, is the whole decline that they're going through. One of the big kind of factors to look for is, you know, classes getting so far apart, tribalism uh, kind of gets created, and people getting pit against each other, and the more this happens, the more you're gonna see societal problems come in and I prop up and so on. I agree with you, Mohammed, but let's also forget that, that the U.S. has won not just the culture war. They have segmented their footprint in the rest of the world, yeah. right? Well, I mean, w me and you are, are both yeah. not Americans. I mean, you're Canadian yeah. part, but we're still talking about U.S. policies and U.S. <laughs> demographics. It affects everyone. Right? But isn't that, isn't that to me, that's so insane because if you ask, you know, local Bahraini, Who's the prime minister? Who's the who's the minister here in Bahrain? They won't be able to name you a single one, no. right? And we have like twenty-six. Yeah. But if you ask them who was the last three presidents, then they'll rack it well, off. Of Rob uh, Biden, Trump, Obama. Forget about those. Those guys are always on TV, right? I I, I can name twenty-five percent of the Senate. Isn't that insane? Uh, right. Uh, you ask me who was in Parliament here, I'm like, I'll, I'll struggle to get names for you. And even if I do, I'm like, okay, what did they do? But. Over there, it's like you want representatives, you want senators, you want uh, secretaries, I'll name those. Um, you know, go back even three presidents, you know, Obama days, um, give you some history as well. Now, of course, some of it is because people are interested, but a lot of it is because it affects you as well. I you know, the, the Fed chair, for example. Sure. You know, the guy hikes rates, the whole world follows, you know. The last hike that happened uh, happened. What time was it here? Because it happened. Two thousand eight. You're talking about the no, last no, economic the, the crash. One, uh, two two weeks ago, the seventy-five basis points that got hiked in the 
rates in the U.S. Oh, you mean with the down J? Are no, you talking no, about? You know the Federal Reserve. Oh yeah, rates, yeah, yeah. Oh right? yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, when yeah. they hiked it, they yeah. I, I don't know what the current it number was is. Was nighttime. Yeah. In Bahrain, the central bank, the same night, hiked the rate here. Right. Well, I mean, don't forget. It's like at the end of the day, you follow the Fed chair in the U.S. more than you have to follow your central, your own central bank. Yeah, but also don't forget that dinar is connected to the dollar. It is right. But right? that's what I mean, right? So we're connected financially, um, militarily. Uh, so even when, it, so let's say a war erupts, straight away your alliances are, are drawn. You know, you have countries that are so dependent on the U.S. that they have no choice. But by the way, an honest question, I keep asking a lot of the guests here, why has not the, the Middle East, the Gulf, the GCC, just unlike Europe and just had one central currency? I mean, you can still connect it to the dollar, but you can't do any quantitative easing at the moment. No. You're stuck with, with the you're dollar as, as, as it is, it is. Lo as long as you're, you're connected to the dollar. Yeah. So you might as well just have one synonymous currency across the GCS countries and just call it a day. Well, well you could if the countries would agree. Because uh, don't forget we have different currencies. Uh, Kuwait is not pegged to the dollar. Mm. So it's pegged then forget to the, the currency. Kuwait. Um, UAE, Saudi Arabia, and Bahrain. Start with the three. <laughs> then you have inter-country uh, differences. Uh, let's call them. <laughs> Uh, so let's say, for example, the, when the first program for the currency came out, I, I'm not sure when, it was around 2007, 2006, 2007, something like that. And they were like, okay, so who's in? Straight away, you had two countries pull out. And we're only six, right? Two countries pull out. Then you come along and like, okay, the four other countries say, okay, fine, let, let's at least start with something. We're four. You know, the European sure. Union started with two. Sure, right? sure. Let's start with four. They come in, okay, where's the central bank going to be based? The GCC central bank. Saudi Arabia or UAE, whatever. Exactly. They chose Saudi. UAE got pissed off. They're out, right? You have these kind of things going on. So unless they can actually sit down, we're very good, for example, when it comes to uh, all security policies. So we have to be. Very well. We, we have to be. Interconnected, <laughs> right? So that <coughs> worked out great. When it comes to uh, arms and so on, again, that's working great. Uh, I, I think even in terms of borders, by the way, yes, we're not Europe, you know, borderless, but it's very seamless for Khalijis now. For Khalijis, yeah, I mean for Bahrainis. Not, not for anyone else, but uh, exactly. for Khalijis, it is. You know, I can take my ID card, walk into any of the countries, no questions asked. Sure. Quote unquote, but still, it is possible. Um, and we can easily do that. I mean, I mean th th that finally, after what, 60 years now, and there's visa-free travel between Saudi Arabia and Bahrain. I mean, that should have happened, yeah. you know, th th 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, that's... But it, it was always about uh, Saudi opening its borders, right? Absolutely. Uh, which Absolutely. only happened recently. Uh, well, thanks to MBS. I mean, thanks to him, Saudi has really flourished. Before that, it was a nightmare. I still remember the days. No cinemas, the matawar, being chased around, yeah, yeah, whether yeah. or not my shorts were, were <laughs> below my knee. I mean, I, I grew up in that era. No, I, I have Saudis that I've spoken to, right, before uh, the change. And I would ask them, how long do you think will Saudi need to reach Bahrain levels, right? L let's forget Dubai sure, levels, sure. but Bahrain levels of liberalism, you know, people just having freedom to do whatever they want. And this was just 10 years ago, this question was posed to a couple of them. And they're like 150 years, maybe. Every, there was no optimism. And all of a sudden, th 
three years down the line, he comes in, flips everything on its head, and even Saudi is now shocked. Well, I mean, like I mean how, how could you change something this fast? I think, I think it, you, we, we'd have to also account for how much internet has changed things. Yes. I think the exposure. But, but that was all there before. Yeah, no, 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 but I'm saying, like, like w- this is one of the case arguments with the, with the USSR, and we're going to a dangerous <laughs> line now, but they, they, they say that the reason with the USSR and how that suddenly changed was because of the advent of the Internet. Mm-hmm. It's because now the population of the USSR could see how the Americans lived, how the mm. rest of the world lived. And I think that, w- that was, a s- that was a, I especially I remember how it was in Saudi back in the day, and, and they were saying, you know, it's just a question of when. It was yeah. just a question of when. I remember people talking about back on MSN and you know the chat yes. services and all that nonsense, the forums. And and I still remember the days where, where people would put their BlackBerry uh, ID yeah. number on yeah. their car. On the car, right? <laughs> <laughs> BBM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so I. No, uh, it, it's not about change will happen. Change was obviously going to happen. It's just how fast it happened. People always thought uh, it's going to be gradual. You know, um, like Abdullah came in, he uh, opened the floodgates for people to go and study abroad and come back. Now, of course, those people are not going to go and not gain uh, not only knowledge, but Awareness. cultural influences as sure. well from those places, wherever they went. They're going to come in. Now, they're used to, let's say, five, six years. And we, have a lot of, uh, we had a lot of Saudis that studied with us uh, in Canada. Canada, yeah. And, you know, their kids were born in Canada. Right, there were families, so their kids were born in Canada. Imagine now a kid getting born in a place like Canada, raised six, seven years old, comes back to Saudi, and then finds that, oh, now I'm not allowed to do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right? Uh, I have to change how I look. My mom used to go out freely, now she can't. All of this is a huge culture shock for them. Now, now those guys didn't manage to change anything. They just had to conform. Sure. So everyone was always talking about a gradual change. It'll happen. Just wait for it. It'll happen in baby steps. Uh, I think Mohammed bin Salman decided, no, we don't have time for baby steps. I mean, we just need to change. I mean, not just that. He has also diversified the economy as well. He, oh, yeah, he yeah, took yeah. Our, our, our leaning from oil, and now he's going into other industries, which, you know, it's, it, again, the, if, if thank God it's happening now and not, not too late, and, and thank God with the whole Russia thing that is – Bumped up the or, uh, yeah. the barrel price again, yeah. right? Otherwise, it would still be a, a, a low denominator. And he's also the first president, first president, first mm-hmm. king since since Malik Faisal, who who was tough with the U.S. Yeah. He was, yeah. I mean, he didn't answer phone call from Biden. When was <laughs> the last time that happened? True. Right. No, and, and that's what I mean. Everyone now who tells me, look, you know, oh, change needs needs time. I say, oh, it change needs will. H- Habib, yeah. it's not just that. Think about Iran in the seventies. It was yeah. a very different place. Of it course. was. It, it, especially when you look at pictures, you're like, that's Iran? Yeah. And then that shift happened really quickly. Almost overnight. Exactly. Almost overnight. That's th- and that is terrifying. Yeah. It, how quickly it can go one way or the other. Or the other. You, you never know. Like, uh, you have a lot of countries. Uh, by the way, you know, if you look at Mao. That's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Look at that. Well, uh, pull up uh, Afghanistan. Yeah. In yeah. the 70s. Yeah. It, it makes, I mean, it, it's, it's it, I mean, Lebanon, the same thing as well. It's, it's it, you know. Of course. And, and this is the thing, right? It's, it's about who's in control and then what they impose. Now, 
you always have someone in control who imposes good in some places, and then you have uh, someone in control who imposes bad. You know, and that, that's basically it. I, I don't know if it's it's if it's if it's that easy. You know, a shepherd and his herd. I, I think there is there's a there's almost like a pendulum in culture, right, and people's thinking, because I see it right now with you know the whole wokeism and uh, uh, political correctness. Mm. This is the same things that happened in the eighties. This is exactly yes. almost yep. the same thing that happened in the eighties. And and you know you used to have to go to university if you want to have sex with a girl you'd have to like get her to ask her to sign a release mm-hmm. right that that was like thing that they advertised at the universities at the time so and then the nineties came the two thousands people were like fuck off blah yeah. blah blah <laughs> right and then that that culture shift is is now in the twenty the twenty twenties coming obviously twenty I mean the whole wokeism started what like twenty nineteen twenty sixteen around there Maybe, when it really yeah. kicked off yeah. Right? It gained traction, let's say. It gained Maybe. traction. Yeah. It gained traction first through feminism. That was the whole thing. Then it yeah. came through Me Too, and then everything else with... But even the feminist movement, right? So y- look at the feminist movement. Sure. As you said, it's a pendulum, right? Uh, and sometimes you're like, okay, let's ask for more, because eventually we won't get everything we want, but at least we'll get something. Sure. And it's like they go extreme. If you aim for the moon, you still land amongst the stars. Pretty much, right? right? So what this is pretty much, I, I think sometimes, sometimes it's like, no, the, the fringes of any movement always, you have extremists in any movement you have. Uh, but you ask most women today and they're like, uh, you know, all the feminist ideals, do you believe in them? Most women in the world are like, no, well, we don't want this. Uh, it's like, there are differences between men and women, uh, some of them biological, and we can't deny those. Uh, you ask women, do you want to do what some men are doing? Of course, you know, I do believe in the office space. Uh, men and women can do whatever they they can do, right? They're pretty much equal in that sense. But if you ask women, do you want to be a construction worker? They're probably no. Do you uh, you ask men? There's yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, women like are no. always fighting for 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 C level positions and saying there's not enough women CEOs and yeah. board members and blah blah blah. But no one ever talks about bricklayers and plumbers no, and electricians, right? No. <laughs> because they don't want that. And to to be honest, again, there's a, a biological aspect. Uh, you know, uh, I have to refer back to. Uh, Jordan Pe- Peterson. Sure. Oh, right? you're a big fan of Jordan Peterson. Uh, okay. n- not a not a big fan. I do disagree on some things, but to be honest, there's a, there's a lot of sense into that. Now it helps that he's Canadian, so let's root for him. <laughs> but <coughs> you know, there are certain things uh, that you're created for, right? Uh, can you do anything that a woman does? I imagine everything except giving childbirth. Uh, pretty much, you want to do everything that woman in their oh god current no. roles god no do. god no no but you make an interesting point i mean jordan peterson i think I, I believe by the way if if i were to raise my kids uh by myself that they'll lose a lot right <laughs> which is what they get from their mother okay i mean there's there's a lot to unpack there because well, of course <laughs> because first of all i mean the nucleus family is also really a thing that's only existed since what the the early 19th century Prior to that, like 1920, 1930s, mm. when the first nuclear family really showed up. Prior to that, it was communal living. That's why the yep. l- there's the, the 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 old saying, right, uh, or proverb: uh, "It takes a village to raise a child," yep. right? 
and and it, it used to be also the case that that you know sons would go to work with their fathers. If you're a bricklayer, mm. you take your son at the age of seven, eight, six, whenever they can start helping out, yeah. and they'd contribute to the household. And if you were a, a woman, you were helping your mom take care of laundry or doing whatever else that was necessary for the household. Yeah. Most most women at the time would work like separately, either as a wet nurse mm -hmm. or as a cleaner or any other kind of stuff like that in yeah. order to help the, the whole. I, I don't think the Nunkus family has only, only been there for that time. I, I think it's been around for much, much longer. But as you said, it oh, wasn't really? enough. It wasn't enough, right? <laughs> so, for example, you'll have the father and the mother and they'll have children. Marriage has been around, by the way, for centuries sure right and you always had a mother and a father now was it uh, monogamist or polygamist that that's a different story but mm -hmm. you always had that okay the, the children the mother the father and how it was dealt with but yes it wasn't enough it was communal you had uh, even in Bahrain by the way in Bahrain you don't even need to go that far you're talking about a hundred years ago or less even uh, People had a lot of children, sure, because we had the fields, sure, that need to be worked. Uh, then you had also the Bayt al that's what we used to call it here, hmm. where the grandfather would be the head of the family, the children would be married and living with them. All the grandchildren will also be living with them, most probably in one room or two. That's happened for right? two thousand years, right? Exactly, and it was everyone helping everyone else. Exactly, and the head of the family is basically, you know, uh, let's say the grandfather in this case, would even get the money, and distribute it amongst his children, married children, by the way. Mm. So it would happen that way until eventually families became smaller and smaller. Now, <coughs> fifty years ago in Bahrain. You'd have uh, a grandfather, his children, they would all be living either in the same house or houses nearby, right? And they all live together. Eventually, people started moving out, right? And they're like, okay, now you always say in Bahrain, right? I'm from this village or this area or this uh, place. Mm -hmm. But then your uncle is living somewhere else, your aunt is living somewhere else and so on. And what happens is pretty much the families became smaller and smaller. Disconnected, right? totally. Completely disconnected, where we now get to the nucleus family in the current sense of it, which is pretty much the only responsibility I have is towards my spouse and my children. And we live together in one place, and we visit others in the family when needed. Or if, let's say, you still have a head of family, like a grandmother or a grandfather, and they still gather people once a week, then maybe. But it's become much more fragmented. In Bahrain, for example, we don't have this whole, you know, 18-year-olds get your own place. Whereas for now. In the West, but it's coming. I think right? so. It is. And I've seen actually a few. I, I've met people. Right? I have had people sit right where you're sitting and telling me, hey, you know what? I've moved out from my parents' place since I was 17 or stuff go. like that. And so I'm like that's happening. And it's becoming smaller and smaller. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. I still believe there is a lot of merit in a bigger connected family. Uh, but I, I think in, in a sense, before, for example, you'll have a village that could be pretty much self-run, right? They'll have probably even their own laws, probably their own ways and culture and whatever. Now, it when you fragment everyone, their only recourse is to the government at the very top sure sure I, I, I think there, there 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 is I think that line of thinking I'm not 
my th because in my head, right, the, the first real insight of when people started moving to larger towns or bigger cities was through the Industrial Revolution that occurred yeah. around 1881, something around that, right? Prior to that, it was all communal living, villages, blah, blah, blah. Bigger towns did exist, but that was for merchants mm -hmm. and maybe for aristocrats, and even them still lived in a system of, of you know, having a grandfather, yeah. sons, and blah, blah, blah. I, I, I don't know if the recourse, as you're mentioning, as, as, as the nuclear family breaking apart, and even within the nuclear family, it's, it's gotten to the point where, you know, the dad works, the mom works, and the kid comes home at 3 o'clock, and then there's nobody there for him. Yeah, it's the uh, nanny. Un until <laughs> 6, right? And that's if you can't afford a nanny in yeah. the West. In the West, yeah. It, it, you know, it, you uh, can. I mean, I, I did the math with a few people, and I, and I looked at what the average income is in London, which is around 45K. So if two, p two parents work full-time, that's 90K. Mm. To get a full-time nanny, that's about 50K. So you basically have somebody working full time to not spend time with the kid. Exactly. And that's why you have a lot of, uh, there's a, a big movement and shift into women saying, well, actually it's better for us to be housewives now. You know, let's just stay at home, take care of the kids, the father will work, we're probably gonna be saving money. You know that, that. You, you know that there, I forgot which one from, one of the four actresses from Sex and the City, I forgot wh which mm. one it was. She came out and, and said that she regretted being part of the show she regretted uh, doing anything with it. She said that she, the, the message that we were sending to women that they don't need anybody, and they can be independent, was, was a lie. That's her yeah. own words. A and and this, this really connected with me because my mom's friends, you know, incredibly independent woman, she's 75 right now, she completely alone, mm -hmm. no, fa no kids, nothing, not even a, s a spouse, and she was telling me she wakes up every day at 10 o'clock, makes coffee, goes back to bed, and then gets up around mm. 2 for lunch. Yeah. And, and she was just in tears, just crying, saying, I have nothing to get up in the morning for. Work was the only thing that got me up. And work is gone. And got yeah. work is gone. Yeah. And, and now, you know, I'm worried if, if something happens, I get sick, I get this, I get this. We Who's going to take care of me? I think we have a tendency to, <coughs> again, going back to the pendulum. Sure right from go from one extreme to another we have a tendency to do that we overcorrect right so it's like instead of saying okay well what were the problems those days you know of course when you had the big family and you know uh, all the brothers and sisters living in the same house and so on you had problems with that you probably had you know no freedom independence and so on uh then when it comes to women they didn't have also the freedom because if they don't work they're beholden to the, the man in the family sure they don't have a say and so on those are certain problems that you can list down sure and they were sure we overcorrected. sure right and we went the other way let's give uh, well not give women asked for complete independence and freedom and they don't want to be associated with men at all in some cases the ultra feminists yeah they don't even right. spend man with well, they don't even spell woman with the man in it because oh really yeah oh, because they want to spell it with a y oh really yeah because you know woman is with <laughs> m-a-n <laughs> at the end so so they want to have <laughs> m-y but that's the thing right so when you overcorrect, you then and you don't see what the repercussions of that is right until you live it and that's why now the feminist movement has kind of gone and you've had people who were true believers of it, eventually grew up, lived it, and they're seeing now that, okay, it's not all rosy, right? 
we did get a lot that we asked for, but it's not all great. I'm not saying they shouldn't have gotten anything. I'm saying you overcorrected. Instead of asking for you what you truly want, you went all the way. So, so Mohammed, if, if you don't mind me in interjecting, I, I, when I think about these issues, I think of our ancestries. I think in the past 2,000 years, our ancestors weren't morons. There's a reason why yeah. it, the things were set up the way they set up. It's not like they didn't experiment with other no. s uh, uh, cultures. They didn't experiment with, with other mechanisms. Uh, there were female-oriented or uh, ma ma matriarchies in oh, the world. But, Absolutely. But they weren't successful. That's why they don't exist anymore. No, and they, some of them were. Uh, some of them were. I mean, you, you, the biggest argument for it would probably be, be Russia with the czars. Oh, with the czars, yeah. But I mean, that's its own animal. Mm -hmm. But but from a purely matriarchal society, there's only been one or two. Yep. That and I think one of them is in Tibet, and that's about it. No, in Africa you have quite a few tribes that always have women at the top. Yes. Uh, and they're run like that. There's yes. Queen Victoria, uh, when it comes to you know the UK at the prime of its empire. Well, uh, yeah, sure, but it's not like her her dad didn't do a lot no, of the no, build of breaking, right? <laughs> <laughs> No, we can go into the details, <laughs> right? Of it, but at the end of the day, she had a very long reign. It's sure. Not as if oh, I inherited something, ran it for a few years, right? Sure. Her reign was quite long. She achieved a lot during that time, kept it together. If you also make certain arguments, like for example, what Angela Merkel did in Germany. Okay. Right. And there's a lot of merit into that. Okay. Um, I'm not saying, to be honest, when it comes to heads of states, I think. Men and women can equally do that. Well, 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 well. Let's, let's, let's. But those women that you you mentioned were taking on very, very, very typical male categoristics. On there's a very big difference. Most of these women that we're talking about, mm. especially Merkel, was 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 not your typical uh, feminine qualities or female qualities. It was a lot of mm. male qualities. Think about how she was dressed, how she acted, how she talked. But, but that's a thing. her policies as well. I mean, it it it, it was. It, I mean. I don't, I, I don't think that women... No, but, but see, uh, this is where you kind of... Go oh, they, sure, 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 like sure. Like male qualities. It's a, like women cannot acquire those qualities, No, right? no, no, no. I'm not so saying if that. If, let's say, for example, let's say she's... Uh, as a head of state, well, let's forget about the sex. As a head of state, what do you need to be? You sure. need to be tough. You need to be this. You need to be that. You know, there are characteristics. You need to be charismatic. Uh, there's a lot of things in a head of state that you need for someone to be successful in running a country. Sure. Right? Now, if a woman has those qualities, then c she can do it as well as a man. That's what I believe in. Now, I'm not arguing against yeah. Muhammad, but I, what I'm trying to say is that when you look at things as an individual basis and as a state basis, mm -hmm. those data sets are different. As an individual, oh, yeah. you, you, you want them to be able to do whatever you want them to do. Mm -hmm. But as a state level, you're like, well, uh, we, got, we, we need plumbers. We need electricians. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> so and those woman would not touch like but right? it's, it's not i'm not i'm not saying that specifically in a gender based form all i'm trying to insinuate is that when you do state policies or when you say you know what is what is for the greater not good or greater thing for society certain policies has to be enacted right mm -hmm. and and that's and that's what i'm saying on on an individual basis of course you want to give a person as much freedom until it becomes tyranny for another I yeah. ideally right but on a state basis yeah, you know you're stuck you know, and that's why, you know, again, referring back to Jordan with uh, his argument, it's, you know, if you give equal opportunity. Sure. You know, and just allow people to do whatever they want. Sure. Right? If you don't discriminate, 
and let just nature take its course. So if you don't say, like, I don't believe in quotas. Okay. Right? Don't, don't tell me, oh, you need to have so many women, so many men. In itself, that is a problem because what if at the time I don't have enough qualified women? Mm. And vice versa, right? Do I have to <coughs> get, let's say, so many on the board of a company? Sure. Probably not. <coughs> but if I provide equal opportunity to everyone, right? By the way, now half my developers are, at this time actually, I have more uh, female developers than male. I'm not surprised at all. Right? Although they always say, oh, you know, uh, why is it dominated by men and I don't know what and so on. It's just equal opportunity. Just give them equal opportunity, whoever does the job. For I'm me, uh, it does, I don't care. I don't doubt that at all. I don't right? doubt that at all. So it's just provide equal opportunity to everyone, let them rise to whichever level they want to rise to. Sure. But and let it happen. Sure. I mean, but <coughs> the, 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 the humanitarianist countries in the world, mm. region in Norway, yeah. when taking everything and, and, and make it as equally as possible and flatten the curve as much as possible, yeah. it boosts what? It boosts the biological differences. That's why in countries like that do you find more uh, 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 women choosing typical female roles and more men mm. becoming engineers than anywhere else in the world. Yeah. And, and that is, that is a, I mean, I remember when that data came out, it, it was shocking and a lot of people even was like, this can't be right. Mm. But it was a 10 year study mm. and it showed. And that's the thing, I, imposing things from the top. Um, uh, and again, this is something I probably agree True. with some Republicans on in the US, although I disagree with most of <laughs> their thoughts and ideals. But when it comes to, let's say, government sometimes less government is better i think always less government is right better. don't tell people how to live their lives create rules and general frameworks and let people just play within that i'm trying to remember there's there's that guy who the the he does a daily wire ben shapiro he mm -hmm. said something that really stuck with me and he said the way law should enact at least on firm level was that as, as you can do whatever you want on that property that you own, mm -hmm. as long as it doesn't affect your neighbors. Yeah. And I thought that was a super interesting uh, idea when he was asked about what about pollution on that land and stuff like that. And he was like saying, it's fine, as long as that pollution doesn't move to that neighbor. Yeah. Right? It's basically, as your freedoms stop where others' freedoms are infringed. Exactly, right? right? That's basically it. So I you do whatever you want in your personal capacity. I thought that was that was amazing. I mean, he talked about it from firm level because they were like asking what about like Coca-Cola takes an enormous amount of fresh water in America mm. and turns it into a product and pays like little to no money. Yeah. And his argument was, well, if they have that line and it's on that stream, right? But yeah. in theory, they should be able to use that water. However, they're then taking it away from that neighbor who mm. normally gets that stream. Yeah. So therefore, they should be then sanctioned onto it. Uh, and, and that's I what I mean, right? So clever. for example, uh, subsidies. Uh, take those as an example. I, it's it's always, you know, why people have a lot of problem with government. Uh, but see, this is where Republicans kind of contradict themselves. It's like, okay, less government, less government, less government. But at the same time, we're picking winners and losers. Sure. You know, with subsidies. Uh, why is it not a level playing field where everyone gets the same? 
Okay, but that's also not fair because when it's, it's not just subsidies, it's also Wall Street. You know, you can yeah. you can you can say what you want, and you can bet the way you want, but when Wall Street believes that a company's its valuation is X yeah. or Y, then that value is going to hit, right? And there's going to be a correction maybe down the line. No, but that that, that <coughs> is something uh, you know when it comes to winners and losers on an open market, mm. and that's fine. Consumers and the free market. I'm a an ex-banker, so sure, sure, sure. Uh, I do believe in the free market, sure. but it has to be free. Sure. And free means let, let consumers decide who wins and loses. In, a, in its current state, I'll give an example, for example, uh, when it comes to Amazon, right, in the US. When they started uh, thinking about their HQ2, you know, and where to open it. Yeah, that's step with New York. In the New, New York and then so on. You had cities fighting for how much subsidies we can give them. Sure. You know, and exemptions and tax uh, credits. Uh, credits and so on. And I'm like, but why? You know, let them pay as much as any small shop, right? They're like, oh, no, no, but they're going to create more jobs. They're going to do this and that. But then you're creating, you're further entrenching monopolies as okay. well. Right? You mean because you're creating barriers of entry at that point? Exactly, because the barrier to entry here becomes huge. And you know when Amazon comes in, sure. Uh, forget about competing with Amazon, sure. Right, uh, unless you have the billions to spend like them, and and this is what happens everywhere, by the way. But but I have then two counterpoints to that. Sure. One, um, if you need a lighter. Uh, one is is Amazon's ability to increase wage higher than its competitors, and therefore put competitors out of business without even having to compete on product. So when they mm -hmm. started to increase their, their hourly rate to almost like I think it was 14 or $16 where the state average was 11, yeah. they basically put all the small businesses that, that were paying people like 10, 11 or $12 gone because yeah. all those employees were because like- Because they can make more money, true, but they do get a lot more tax credits. Sure, so sure. If let's say the government came in and said, you know what, Amazon, you're playing on the same level field as everyone else sure right would they be able to with no hesitation raise wages that much because at the end of the day they're beholden also to the bottom line yeah i, g I agree but don't forget uh, amazon has had access to cheap capital more than any other country more than any other country more than any other company for the past 30 years of course w wall street was was boosting that company up for for how long i mean they haven't even made a profit for almost 20 years of its existence yeah. Right? What kind of other company gets to have those privileges? And if, yeah. if Jeff Bezos didn't work at Wall Street for a very yeah. long time, he would have never had those contacts. He would have never been able to, to get that resources. Absolutely. Right? And, and I'm not taking away from how hard they work to build the company. Sure. You know, the Googles, the Facebooks, uh, a lot of people hate Facebook. Sure. Right? But they, uh, the guy worked his ass off to get it off the ground. Google did as well. They provided good products that people wanted to use, and it was a free market, right? People chose to use Google sure. over all the other search engines. They're not the first. Facebook, a lot of people chose to use Facebook in the beginnings. More than MySpace right? or whatever More else. More than MySpace or any other social media. So yes, it was a free market in the beginning, but eventually it becomes, okay, these guys are bringing in so much money. Okay that the government needs to get into protectionism. Okay, I, you, you make an interesting point. I mean, you're, you're, you're coming on to natural monopolies and how they're being formed. Uh, I think that with all these things, given enough time, the free market will correct itself. And it's occurring right now with Amazon. Did you know that by the year 2027, 20, 20, 
they won't have enough workers anymore. Because right. basically, in the U.S., they've already almost hired everyone they can hire and fired everyone they can fire. So they, yeah. they're only left with a small population that they haven't hired yet. And because the population isn't growing fast enough to keep up with their demand, can you yeah. imagine as a concept that a company has almost hired so many people and, and fired so many people that they're running out of staff? No, but, but, but see, now uh, look at, for example, what's going on now. And I read something about Apple. Apple sure. has a stash of cash worth $230 billion Yeah. in cash. <clears throat> sure. Now, first of all, they can bring it back to the U.S. Well, yeah, they could, but then they well, have to pay taxes on taxes, it, Taxes, right? of course. <laughs> now, it's basically, okay, what do we do with it? Now, what they're running around doing, because these days, of course, you can't go around and get returns on your cash. That's a problem. What do you do? Go and acquire companies. Just gobble up startups. Now, good on the founders. They make a lot of money. That's good. But you're just allowing these monopolies to just go on and on and on well, where they have full control. I, yes. I mean, and by I, the way, I'm a huge Apple fan, so I can tell yeah. I don't mind at all <laughs> at this point. But don't forget <laughs> that that Apple used a lot of its uh, external cash to do stock buyback, which is another problem. Well. Right. I, I mean, I don't know if it's a, it, it's a necessi necessarily a problem. I think buying back personally from from a company owner perspective, yeah. I, I think that buying back stock is way better than giving dividends. In from mm. a from an owner perspective. From an owner's perspective, yeah. Because you know, you, the moment uh, the, the investors taste dividends, you're gone. You're fucked. Yeah. That's the only thing they care <laughs> about. And the moment you turn off that dividends, then suddenly you know everyone's Apple crying. Apple wasn't paying dividends for ages. Exactly. Yeah. That's also why G Steve Jobs hated dividends mm. as well. And I'm I'm full I'm 100% with him. From an owner perspective, you do you do a buyback on stock, and that's it. From a, an owner's owner perspective, perspective yes, yeah. of course. From an investor perspective, of course you want dividends. You want the dividends. No, uh, th this uh, thing is between corporations, uh, and we're talking about huge corporations, conglomerates, and governments. The, the blurred lines is going to cause a huge issue in the world. Uh, I, I see that coming because uh, at the end of the day, yes. Uh, look, I'm a company owner, and you know every time there's business friendly regulations, I, I'm fine. You know, VAT in Bahrain. Hmm. Apart from my own pocket and my personal life, as a company, didn't affect me. Of course not, because I'm getting VAT and paying it back. So I'm charging and then paying it to the government. Whereas it's an external cost that's set at the customer exactly. level, right? So for me, it doesn't affect me at all. Now, if corporate taxation came into play and it hits my net profits, that's a totally different story now. But even if a corporate, even if, if, if corporate tax would would be introduced, you, I mean, on the balance sheet, you just have to move that capital into investment, right? And then that's the end of that because you only get charged taxes on profits. On net profits. On right? net profits. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, again, you can't capitalize everything. Sure, sure, right. sure. Yeah, I mean, you can you can also just start going buy um, the NAS or or yeah, S and P yeah. five hundred. Pretty or much. <laughs> so a, any any of your net profits, try to buy something with El, else, and you're done. Exactly. Or put a loss every single year. That, that's <laughs> that's exactly what a lot of companies do in in America. In 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 uh, they'll buy they'll they'll buy stock, and then as soon as it's down, they'll sell the stock at a loss. Use that then for their for their tax incentives, and then buy back that same stock. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's genius. That, that's why accounting is a huge business yeah, over there. Absolutely, that's genius. And will be here so, uh, someday because uh, corporate taxation is getting introduced in the UAE. 
Uh, Saudi, uh, they've already announced it. I think it's 23 or 24. Uh, it's already been announced. They have to diversify the economy. It's, it's not it's only that, because you w uh, look, for a healthy economy, you need it to be run by itself. Sure. Not through injections from your natural resources or anything but like that. But also from right? geopolitical standpoint as well, right? Because the U.S. isn't too happy if, if, the, if the Middle East keeps expanding as, as, a, as an economic power. Yeah. And then th and them not charging I uh, taxation. Look at Ireland and how many people still complain about their taxation laws. Oh, of course. Right? No, so, so uh, again, it's a very, it's, it's easy for us to sit down here and kind of analyze. It's, it's much more complex. But uh, I do believe that we need to move to a more, it's into a freer market. Isn't that amazing that the t what the two of us are right now doing is exactly what everyone else currently is doing? Oh, of course. Who, Absolutely. Who are, who are deciding this? Absolutely. They're, they're exactly having it's the so same easy. discussion. It's so easy. And, and they're like, well, you know what? We'll try. It's, we can always overcorrect. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, again, you know, having been on the investment side, you know, in banking and seen how it works, the, the crash of 2008, uh, because I used to work in the dealing room. Mm. Right, and when Lehman Brothers went down, and we saw everything collapse, and obviously, you know, the house always wins, right? There was only one guy I think sent to prison, and that in, in the two thousand eight, the whole the, thing. the, whole, the whole thing, whole there thing. was only one, one guy, guy. <laughs> uh, probably a very comfy prison <laughs> for that as well. But you know, when when you look uh, at everything crashing, and when you're the house, mm. right, you don't care much because you're making money on both sides. You know, if it's crashing, you're making money. And if it's going up, you're making money. Yeah, but let's, let's also be fair. I remember 2008, and I still remember that banks didn't even want to trust other banks. Oh, well, yeah, 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 I, I mean. Yeah. <coughs> no, we had a credit crunch, I, right? I totally remember banks those days. Banks would not even lend banks. I, I, I totally remember those days, and yeah. I remember a lot of people crying. And I remember people who bought houses in 2000, 2007, mm. 2006, for like a valuation of like 400,000. And then the moment 2008 hit, their valuation for the house went to like 90K. And they yeah. spent the last like 30 years or 20, no, I mean, it's now been what, like 20, 15 years? 20 almost, yeah. Pulling themselves back up. Yeah, no, um, and this is the issue, right? My issue with banks, and that's why, by the way, I left banking. I got, I lost faith in banking. Okay. Uh, because banking, it's, essence is providing capital efficiency sure right? that, that's the whole purpose of a bank providing capital efficiency between people who have money and want to make money out of it and then people who need the money sure right but we're then we've made banks a money-making machine sure right the purpose of the bank is to make money not to provide capital efficiency so you would go to a bank, you're a business owner, you'd go to a bank, you tell them, look, you know, uh, let's say, for example, for your podcast, sure, you're generating income and so on, but it's pretty much a service based company, right? You're mm. not, you don't own assets and machinery and lands and you're it's not other factory. than the equipment, but uh, yeah, other than the equipment, but sure, they would not take this as collateral. Sure. Right. So you'd go to a bank and like, okay, this is my income. Uh, this is my uh, balance, sheet. And sure. balance sheet and so on. And this is what I, and like, okay, yeah, but we can't lend you money. But why? Because, oh, you don't have collateral. I'm like, yeah, sure, okay, we know that because if I'm a service-based company, then uh, the collateral, or forget about, my assets are what I produce. 
Right? Yeah, I mean, y y don't forget that your intrinsic goods also have a value, which is an estimation, right? But they're never taken into consideration. Now, yeah. unless you're a huge company. Yeah, exactly. No, but if you're a small company, you're starting off, banks would be, they have to be prudent when it comes to risk assessment, of course, but that's through looking at your business plan, through looking at your history, uh, empirical your financial data, gains. And financial gains and so on, and you take a calculated risk on that person. In Bahrain, it doesn't work that way. In most of the Gulf, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, but we know also why. It's because the rules haven't been put into place that, that uh, would allow that kind of economy to flourish. That's why banks don't want to get involved with real estate companies and builders, yeah. right? Because the rules haven't been laid properly uh, or, or, or laid hard enough. Not only the rules. Uh, I think it's, <coughs> and I, I've seen it, by the way, um, banks have a short-term um, view of the economy. Sure. Right? Because we've seen them, they've failed at forecasting anything. So you can just disregard all the forecasts. You well, see. past indicators, not future <laughs> indicator, right? That's the thing, right? But for them, they don't even see the problems. A, a very small few do, right? <clears throat> but what happens is it's always because we're incentivized as bankers uh, based on our KPIs for this year. Hmm. We don't care if what we do this year collapses in two because we want to make our money this year. And the next year, it's the same thing, until it collapses. Yes, I, I agree with you, but that, that occurs <coughs> mostly in, in upper to medium management. I mean, w CEOs and, and C-suite policies mm -hmm. are usually set between five mm -hmm. to 15 years. You know, if you look at the aims and objectives of any large corporation, be it from any of the four or Deutsche Bank or, or Citi or whatever, they all have projections that go on years and years and years and years. Yeah, true, but right? uh, at the end of the day, it's just a strategy. Sure, sure, sure. But all the foot soldiers of are course. given annual targets. Sure. And the annual targets, and that's why, by the way, when it comes to, let's say, the CDOs that got created, all these structured products, you know, Warren Buffett has a problem with derivatives, mm. right? But that's where they make money. Banks make money from those. They don't make money from lending you and me. Sure. Right? that's some small interest that they're gonna be just using it as cash flow probably. But all the profits are made from complex products. Now, the issue now with when we have unsophisticated banks, like most of the banks in our region, sure, right? But first they of all, our banks in this region, let's just clarify yeah. for people listening, <laughs> are separated between two entities, right? You have, you have personal banking and then you have investment banking. There's no overlap of the two. You'd think so. Oh, really? You there is. So. A, you, you, oh, well, no, I guess. What caused the crash? You know, okay. No. Okay. No, yeah, what yeah, caused yeah, the yeah. Crash, right? Uh, eventually, um, what you, in well, the U.S., sure. the, the, the whole deregulation that happened was basically you can trade with other people's money. Sure. Right? But and until, and that's where the overlap happened between investment banking and corporate and retail banking. Right? Yeah, yes, but that's also not a fair st statement to make. Don't also forget that a lot of these bankers were giving out loans to people, first of all, who couldn't repay them. And then on top of that, use those but loans. How could they, though? Sure, sure. I mean, What allowed them to do sure, that? Sure, absolutely. Bad policies, bad internal management from the, from the bank. Not only that, no. It's basically because of the availability of those structured products. Sure. Right? So let's say I'm a mortgage officer, mm. right? Now, the whole subprime market, if I... I'm allowed to give this person, it's set by the bank, right? Sure. The policy from the bank, not from the government. Sure. The government never told people, oh, go give those people loans. It's basically when, let's assume you have your grade A people, 
sure. people who triple a risk free i don't know what sure you give them the loans the mortgages and so on you run out of people you still need to make money go down you know your b class okay take more risk because now you're making more money and so on and still that's uh, acceptable but then your your whole subprime market is untapped all those people that are, cannot afford to get a mortgage but you want to give them a mortgage now what do you do now you give them mortgages and then structure products i was about to that say are that rated as triple a and you allow all these small mortgage officers to go around giving everyone mortgages by then taking all those mortgages, clubbing them into a grade A product, which was not a grade A product. I totally right? agree. Now, the government never told people to do that. Sure. The policies, yes, allowed them because of deregulation. But why were they doing that? It's because they did not care about risk per se. They cared about making money out of money. Sure. Right? And this is my issue. Capitalism in its pure form will always have this problem, right? Where it collapses markets, grows markets, and so on. Now, the socialism doesn't work. That's not <laughs> no one goes there. That's not necessarily a bad thing either. To have an up and a dip isn't necessarily a bad thing. Not as big as these. I, I do believe that we can prevent these things from happening by smoothening this. You always have growth, right? If, if you take a linear kind of projection, you always have growth. Now, of course, count in inflation, count in everything else, but real growth is possible and it's been happening for the past 500 years. Uh, yes, but growth right? only uh, growth only is, is in connection with production, right? As, as, as long as production increases based on efficiencies, economics of scale, yes. then we will see the economy grow as populations either shrink or become less effective. Or the, question, the question then is, is uh, making money from money a productive activity in what sense because basically how do you for example if I, let's take it as a very kind of small scale if i lend you money sure and you use that money to go and do something productive okay create goods create services and so on right that's putting my money into good use you made profits you can pay me with interest with dividends, right okay, with dividends sure very very small level now you didn't take that money and just kept it with you or invested in something else that just made you money without you doing anything productive. Okay. Right? I don't want to get into something. I'm, I'm avoiding a word here. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. But let, let's assume, yes, you go through that. Sure. As long as money is used for productive activities, then you have growth. Sure. If money is not used for productive activities, which is basically the whole COVID splash that happened, right? Money was given away to everyone willy-nilly. Uh, the whole, and of course, objective was we need to stabilize the markets. Sure. Which was in itself a very good thing to do uh, because uh, half well, the world population would have gone under. Well, uh, what was it? 90% right? of US dollars was printed in like the span of two years? Yes. Is something uh, ridiculous uh, like what, that? Six, seven trillion? What is that? But basically, that's why you have inflation. It was used for non-productive activities, right? Yes, paying your rent and I don't know what, all these kind of things are fine. But then most people didn't actually need it. Sure. Or no, not most, sorry. A lot of people didn't need it. Then you had investments into crypto. Sure. You had investments into silly things uh, that basically had no productive 
value. Sure, sure. But let me just uh, add a piece to that. Inf inflation only occurs when quantitative easing means that more people are competing on the same goods. Inflation mm. doesn't occur if quantitative easing and people distribute that money to buy other things on a less competitive scale, which does occur, but not very frequently. But that just needs to be added because how is inflation measured? Inflation in new school, not old school, is yep. measured by a list of what, like 300 or 1,000 items? Yeah, the whole Milk, CPI eggs, basket. exactly, yeah. right? And so, and so you, you can have quantitative easing without increase of inflation as long as consumers are not bidding on the same price items. Or you, if you use Reaganomics, supply-side economics, mm -hmm. right? You, you can keep inflation low as long as your supply side is used and is growth. Because then the unit price number of economics mm -hmm. of scale decreases, yeah. right? More, more egg farmers, more milk, more whatever. Well, but that's the thing, right? Uh, you need, it's basically, again, if I simplify inflation. Sure, right? sure, sure. Inflation is technically a devaluation of your currency. Sure. Right? Something gets devalued if you oversupply it, mm -hmm. right? If you have an oversupply of real estate assets, right? Over demand, prices go down, mm -hmm. right? Your economy, your sorry, your currency is abundantly available and is not needed. And when I say it's not needed, of course, everyone wants money, right? But it's not needed because it doesn't produce productive goods that contribute to growth. When it, it ceases to contribute to growth, it means it's redundant. I agree. Right? And then you see inflation come in. And, and I, I agree with, what your, with your statement, and I agree also with, with the activity of money to make money, because yeah. that's exactly what we saw with crypto, with, yeah. with its, its crazies, ups and downs, and its, its, its inconsistency. And, and people, especially the younger generation, are so fooled in thinking that, that the, volati the volatility of it is an opportunity to make an enormous amount of money. But, you uh, know, how, how many people actually understand, first of all, the tech behind it? And let, uh, leave the tech, right? Because you invest, for example, in, uh, let's assume Google. Do you understand what Google does in you know, real life? No, you don't, but you see its products, right? Sure. Now, when it comes to trading, so let's say dollars. You, let's say you're trading in the FX market. Sure. Now, you could say, yes, I'm trading in the FX market because I understand the ups and downs of the market. That's okay. Uh, but then you have to accept that uh, there are ups and downs, right? And you see the, quote unquote again, the value of this market because currencies are needed, you know, for trade and international trade and so on. Yeah, I agree. And I agree. that's available. Now, the issue with crypto that <laughs> we've had is that, as you said, a lot of young people getting in, they don't understand the tech behind it because it's a tech product in essence. But then you also have people don't, don't understand how markets work. And they pumped so much money into something, they have no clue how it works thinking it's always going to go up, right? Oh, it'll have uh, ups and downs, but it'll always go up. But the issue is it actually went to zero in a lot of cases. It means you lost everything. But that was basically using money in an unproductive I way. I totally agree. And totally that agree. causes your inflation. That causes your problems, your dips. And see, this is, again, the issue, right? A lot of people managed to get loans, managed to get uh, money, that were used in that, whereas a lot of businesses couldn't get access to money, although they were going to use it in productive activities. A and, and this has been a big issue uh, with banks. And again, my disillusionment with banks uh, in general is that sitting there in a dealing room and seeing 
money flowing back and forth, and especially when it comes to structured product. Now, all the you know fixed income products and so on, you know the general products that yes are needed between the banks, like you know FX interest rate products and so on mm. are fine. But then with the structured products that collapsed the market, right? Most of the money was flowing there. Sure, it wasn't flowing to help this business and that business and so on. During uh, you know all my banking days, you have for example uh, take uh, Citibank pulled completely out of Bahrain, no care in the world, uh, because for them it's about how much money am I making, right? Now of course, international bank, they have better markets to deal with. Sure. Stand chart, close down their small medium enterprise uh, unit. We're not dealing with uh, smaller companies anymore. So de-risking is a big thing. Lessen their exposures, yeah. But at the same time, when you come to local banks and talk about local banks, I do think as a government, especially having them owning a lot of these smaller Assets. banks or let's say having a big stake in them, uh, putting some sort of mandate on them. I still believe small and medium enterprises are engines of any economy, Okay. right? They make a lot of money from corporates and big corporations, right? And that's fine. But small and medium enterprises still remain a big engine because most of them are the biggest employers in the country. Now, of course, everyone will hire, what, 10 people maybe on average, but they're the biggest employer. Um, you still have a lot of the money staying in the country and circulating, and that has a big effect, by the way, on an economy. And if you help out small businesses, you maintain that circulation. Big companies, again, I don't they make a lot of money, you. but but I, I don't think the entire problem is is I mean this is a complex issue and I think we can both very oh, easily admit, yes. admit to that. I, the, the, I don't think it's it's just an issue of of banks structuring products for the sake of just for pure profitability. That mm. is a part of the case. Don't forget that bah while Bahrain is a great hub for startups, mm -hmm. it does put a lot of stones in front of your way. Oh, absolutely. And and one of the biggest downturns. Is is if you're a local Bahraini entrepreneur, local Bahraini, and you're creating local Bahraini products, you're likely not going to find a customer base in Bahrain. No, right? And and that needs to be somehow rectified, either through through government policies or through education or pride. I, I don't know how, but mm. this, you know you can you can set up banks and you can you can you can make rules and you can tell banks, listen, you need to promote businesses and blah 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 blah. But if the customers aren't willing to buy up that product from that entrepreneur for doing whatever product or service. You're, you're stuck. You're fucked. No, of course. And I'm not talking about giving out money blindly. Sure. You know, you have to do your risk assessment. You have to do your due diligence. You have to go through the sure. whole shebang. And sure. it's probably going to take two months sure. of work. And the issue why banks don't want to do it is imagine having to deal with on that basis with every single small company, right? It takes a lot of time, a lot of manpower to then give out loans of 50K. Sure. That makes them very little return. And and for them, it's not worth it, right? Okay. That, that's why banks don't like to touch it because they, by the way, banks here can provide this because they have enough liquidity available. Uh, I don't think they can afford the risk. You know, they're very profitable banks at the end of the day. They can afford the risk. It's just that they choose not to because of, again, it's cost-benefit cost uh, as well. Exactly. You know, if you just think about it just purely, um, 
let's take an example our businesses right if i deal with a uh, customer that's pa a pain in the ass right and i see that from the very beginning you're less and likely I'm to like, interact you know with what it. even if he's gonna pay me do i want to go down that road probably not you know what i'll ignore that I let them go and again small businesses to banks are like that they're more of a headache less return and higher risk right and this is what causes the whole you know void in that area I, I i get where you're coming from muhammad but but please i i have people sit in that same chair multiple times business owners and some of the key things i hear one is they're not interested in profit maximality they're interested in building communities mm -hmm. and and i believe first first i thought you know from but from what, what do they mean by that exactly from yeah. from a humanitarian perspective i always thought oh it's because you know western culture is this and middle eastern culture is that and we care about our, our our community and blah 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 and then it dawned on me as i dug deeper into this it's not because they want to build the community it's because they want to use that mechanism of that business in order to build relationships mm. because they're so isolated and, and you find a lot of Bahrainis, a lot of uh, 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 people living here are so isolated mm. and don't have that social connection that they build a business model mm -hmm. that is unsustainable, have yeah. to pump money into it only in order to build those, those networking connections. Mm. I, I, I've, I've, so I've, it's not about building a business? It's not about building a business. Okay. And I've had multiple people on who are entrepreneurs who own businesses here in Bahrain said the same thing. I had a, a woman uh, named uh, Sonia. Was it Sonia who was yesterday on? Dan? Was it Sonia? who owns a Maya chocolate. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. and she was sitting here and, t and telling me the thing that hurt her business more than anything else was when she, she marketed Made in Bahrain. <laughs> How crazy is that? By the way. Uh, Go on. <laughs> that, that's so interesting. I didn't know that about Maya, by the way. But that, that, that is so interesting. That's um, why they, they have to remove it. And now they're looking to buy a shell car. Well, they're yeah. looking to set up a shell company in Belgium to put the Maya business now under that under shell Belgium. company. Yeah. No, th that, that's a mentality thing. We. How do you fix that? <laughs> no, I know. I know. It's a mentality thing with our people. It has nothing to do with policy, nothing to do with anything else. <laughs> you know, Springwing. My. Sure, uh, sure. Tech business. Now. By the way, we still we, need to get into that as well. <laughs> I, I don't mind. Um, we started building it in 2018. Mm. I was still, you know, let's ca call me an idealist, right? It's like, okay, you know what? We're building this for Bahrain. We want to get Bahrain's name out. I don't know what, so what. I hear although, that so often. No, no. And although, by the way, for us as business owners, as Bahrainis, we use this as a marketing tool, mm -hmm. right? Now, of course, I'm, I'm not, by the way, arguing that people do have genuine uh, intents here when it comes to wanting to promote their own country, right? I would want that. Why not, right? And if I say this is made in Bahrain and it kind of promotes Bahrain as a country, it's a win-win. Why not? But what we found out was people would rather deal with a foreign company than with me because I am a Bahraini company and it's made here. There's no trust. It's weird, isn't it? Right? So 2018, we had that as well. We went to Abu Dhabi for a conf uh, uh, an exhibition of a sort, uh, basically focused on EdTech. We had people come to our booth and tell us, oh, you made this in Bahrain? Like wide o eyes wide open? I'm like, yeah. 
fully in Bahrain? Yes. No, it, like, did you white label the solution or was it fully developed in Bahrain? Like, kept on asking me. Like, no, 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 my developers are here. We made it fully in Bahrain and can all of them are Bahrainis. Can you open the website? Sorry? Can you open yeah. the website so people can see it? So, and I'm like, wh why is this question asked? Now, then I go to London. 2020, beginning of 2020, just before COVID. I go there and I get asked the same question by people from Europe, people from Japan. I had a guy from Japan come to, uh, to us and ask us, oh, this is really made in Bahrain? Because for them, it's like, we don't even know where Bahrain is, right? And you're telling me, oh, you actually managed to develop something like this and promote it in Bahrain? I'm like, yeah, because they know Dubai. At the time, Saudi wasn't big still. Ramco and Sabic. That yeah, was it. That was Saudi Arabia. Much. But Dubai, yes, they know startups come out of Dubai. Kuwait, they knew that startups come out of Kuwait. But Bahrain was unknown. Now, if you notice now most of our customers, the principles are all expats. Yeah. They don't have a problem. It's like, I'm looking at your solution. It's great. It works. And we want to use it. And we've used it. And it actually works. And we want to continue using it. Sure. You go speak to Bahrainis. And they tell you, oh, no, no. But we're using this company from Australia. I'm like, we're in Bahrain. We don't have an eight hour, hour difference. I can be in your office anytime you want if you need help. And you're like, yeah, but we trust those. I'm like, we do exactly the same thing they have an issue with that. It's a perception. If, if you scroll all the way down. It's not just the perception. On the website, we had proudly made or made. Yeah, scroll down. Yeah, if you, if you go all the way down to the footer, we had <laughs> proudly made in Bahrain or proudly something, right? You, you remove that, right? Absolutely gone. No, you didn't. We did. It's gone. Oh, yeah, you we did. We had it there. Yeah, you did remove it. Okay. In the yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right bottom corner over there, Yeah, it was there. Gone. Why? Because it worked against us. Although, by the way, I'm incorporated in Delaware and so on. I could put Delaware there. But if you go to the contacts, it still says Bahrain if you want to contact us. But you haven't set up a phone center somewhere. <laughs> no, we could, right? Uh, and by the way, we get phone calls uh, from, I got a phone call from Canada. Uh, most of the people actually visiting our website are from the US mm. for some odd reason, right? And we monitor this. We've had calls from Dubai, from expats, uh, Sharjah, Oman. Bahraini schools won't touch us. First of all, <laughs> can you please explain to people what the business is about? Yeah, so ba basically just in short, right? It's a communication tool for schools to link the house with the school, okay. right? And when I say the house with the school in its highest forms, the house meaning parents and students, with the school meaning administrators of the school, heads of school, uh, all the peripheral staff, like nurses, counselors, and so on, and teachers, right? And all of them can communicate on one platform with full transparency uh, and again, with whatever structure they need to, to make. Okay. Right. And, and it's all based on linking people together. So why is your solution then better 
than a parent who just goes to school and get the contact details from, from those teachers. Well, that to me is the same as going through a phone book, by the way, and then looking up a business. Going through a phone book, or let's say, for example, let's compare what used to happen six years ago, because most schools didn't even use any parent communication tools. Although, by the, the way, we're not the first. Give me the sales pitch. Though. Right? So in the old days, you'd have a kid, and by the way, this has happened with me, with my kid when he first went to school. You would go to school, drop them off. I don't know what. There's nothing. You hear nothing about what's going on right you get contacted if and only if in most cases there's a problem that needs your attention now the communication happens via email now you don't have the email of the teacher in most cases but let's say you have the email of the school that needs to be relayed to the teacher you eventually get the email of the teacher it becomes email going back and forth then you have other people within the school like the accounting department uh the nurse the principal, the administration basically, and you get all these emails from all over. Most of the things, for example, let's say for example, you have an event going on at the school and you need to dress up your kid for something or you need to bring something to the school. In the old days, they'll print out pieces of paper and put it in your book bags. Yeah. Now, for working parents, I don't know if there's something in the book bag. You need so, to sign this and bring it back to yeah, school, exactly. kids. And I have to go every day, oh, check the book bag. Is there anything that I've missed here? And obviously kids, right? My kid doesn't come back home and say, oh, by the way, there's something for you in my book bag. No, they throw the book bag and go on with their lives. And throw away the paper oh, sometimes, too. Of course, they throw away <laughs> the paper. So all of that was a mess. They started creating WhatsApp groups. Yeah. Now, WhatsApp groups, I'm in no WhatsApp group. I hate WhatsApp groups. It uh, becomes a mess. And basically... For me as a parent, it's a hassle because get into a WhatsApp group, leave a WhatsApp group, I don't know what. The school doesn't have direct access. So I had to manage five or six communication channels, right, and monitor those. But then what happens as well, sometimes they communicate with me. Sometimes they communicate only with my wife. Okay. Right? And then if something goes to my wife and she's not available out of the country or something like that, or I'm out of the country, we need to also communicate internally. Okay. Right? It's just a whole big management of communication that okay. happens through multiple channels, multiple people you're communicating with, both with your children and with your spouse, and then with the school. Our idea was pretty much very simple. Okay? Create one platform where the school can structure, structure it the way they want. Right? Create a channel for only the year fours, another channel only for this class or that class. Create a channel for the whole school. So things are communicated sometimes with the whole school, especially during COVID days, right? School will be closed tomorrow or something like that. Then when you go down the chain, teachers are given access so they can create their own classes. Okay. Right? Users are managed centrally. So if a user or uh, a student leaves, another student comes in mid-year, and so on. They're added seamlessly. Okay. As a parent, I don't need to go and set up anything. And how's the acquisition, acquisition part go? So the you, you go to a school, I yep. assume, you show this, this application, you say, yep. hey, listen, you can sign up with our application, it's for schools, you can, you can build your whole program around it, teachers can communicate with parents. How do you then get that resource to the parent? Do you message, no. do, do the school message them and say, hey, you know what, you use this program? Yeah. 
Okay. What happens is very simple. The onboarding process, and we've onboarded, for example, Abdurrahman Kanuf, one of the biggest schools we have. Uh, St. Chris is another. Uh, Abdurrahman Kano, we onboarded them in a week. Okay. The whole school population. Okay. Students, teachers, parents, and administrators within a week. Basically what happens is most schools, not, well, not most schools, all schools have their user base somewhere. Sure. In a system, right? All we need to do is take that and import it into ours, right? Okay, 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 okay. Like an Excel once. file or a CVS or whatever. Whatever it is. It's a one-time thing. You import them. Then it, you classify your uh, users between teachers, students, parents. And it's very easy and straightforward. Okay. Once that's done, it's one import. It also creates groups. So Automatically. So you can classify people. Okay, this student is in year four in this class. And he's also obviously because of he's in year four, he's also in the junior school and okay. so on. So you add all your students to certain groups. Okay. Right? That's done and everyone is imported. What happens next is usually we tell all the schools that we have, import and invite your teachers first. Okay. Right? So they can start setting up their classes. All the teachers will get an invite via email, click, log in, create your password, you're in. Now, all the students are already set up for you. So as a teacher, all you need to do is create class, add my class. Done, imports all your students. So the student management gets away from the teacher. It's done by the school. Okay. Right? So as a teacher, I'm focused on the communication part only. Okay. And I'm done. So once that's done, the teachers have done that, you go the next step, which is invite parents. Now, the invitation for parents is exactly the same thing. Invite parent, they get an email, you've been invited to this school. Okay, so it's very optimized. Yes. Okay, okay, They okay, download okay. the app, create a password. Okay. And then, as soon as they open it, they see their children, they see all the groups they're part of, their classes, they're done. Okay. Start receiving. Okay, 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 okay. I kind of get where you're, where you're coming from. So, the, how the system is structured is is you, you go to school administrator, they start setting up the structure, they invite your, invite your teachers or whoever, blah, 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 they create the classes. Then, because you have to somehow match the parent with the child. That's already done from the import. Right, because yeah. because you have that child, XX, whatever, is is child of XX. Exactly. Right? And, and so you said- And we do it actually the other way around. So basically, you cannot add users without linking them to, as a parent, right? Okay. So, for example, both my kids are in that Excel sheet. This is my- child this is my child they're in this class and this class this year group and so on and on the same line this is one parent and this is the other parent okay right? now of course my other child has the same parents sure now as soon as you import the system recognizes that this email is the same identical yeah. right so basically these are siblings add them tag them to this group uh, not a group Tag them to this parent and mark them as siblings. Okay. Done. That makes it easier for complex families where, let's say, for example, I w had a, a wife, had a child with her, another remarried, yeah. had another child. Now, my first wife would have access to only one of the children. The other wife has access to only one of the children, which is her child. But I would have access to both. So what you're telling me is that if you have a if you have a secret family, you should be having two separate emails. <laughs> if you don't want to get caught. <laughs> <laughs> although although you technically would be the only one who would see both. 
Yeah. The two, so, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the two yeah. mothers will only see their own children. Exactly. So you're good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as long as you don't share the password. <laughs> yeah, even from the system side, they wouldn't know that. You, I mean, as long as you no, don't register they the only same have name. Access, yeah, they only have access to their ch child. Okay. Okay. And that makes it easier for the school as well, because now most of the schools are uh, doing a roll-up, right? So it's basically pushing everyone up a year group and so on. As a parent, I don't need to do anything. I just, once it's done, I just open my app again and I see all the new year groups and new classes. Mohammed, if you don't mind me saying, the first thing that you desperately need, please, 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 yeah. make some video content, <laughs> explain <laughs> the structure, because I think it took us about three minutes for me to grasp yeah. how, how it's all functioning. Look, for, uh, we have, by the way, the whole help desk. Yeah has walkthroughs of every single thing. I totally agree. Right? I, I totally understand, but you, in your, can you go on the main homepage? Yeah. Maybe like, maybe like somewhere around here, have just like a video explaining the concept behind it, because if I just saw this and I just saw school to parents, communication simplified, I'd be interested. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, okay, but I wouldn't understand. But see, for you, uh, because you're not involved in that kind of field, right? Sure. Most schools get exactly what this does. Sure. In, in, a, in a sense of they know what it does. Yeah. Now, that's why we then want to sit down with them. Sure. Right? Tell them how easy it is and so on. And that's why we have the book of demo here. Let's sit down with you and show you how it works. They know the concept. Because, by the way, again, I go back to are we the first communication tool for schools? No. But what we've done is, so as a concept, they know. So it's like you, me telling you, um, I'm selling you a new CRM, right? You know what a CRM is. Mm. You know what it does in its general form. That's interesting. So you see your platform as a CRM. No, 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 no. I'm okay. saying if I told sure, you a sure. CRM or I told you a human resource management system, okay. right? Or an accounting system. Straight away, something pops into your head. Yes, I know what it does. Now. Would you know the details? No. Would you know what the bells and whistles are of the system? What makes it unique? No. You either would go read more or you would have someone sit down and explain to you, so, right? Sure. So sell it basically sure. to you. And this is basically what we do, right? Most of the schools get in touch with us. They're like, okay, we need a communication tool. We saw yours. We actually, now we let's get into the details because most schools come to us and say, these are our problems. Sure. This is what we need to solve. Does your system solve it for us? Sure. Right? Well, I was, what I was trying to interject is that I don't think your true customer base is the school. I think your true customer base is the parent. Unfortunately not. That's the issue. No, no, no. Not from a revenue standpoint. Because yeah. who sells that school, your application, is the parent. Right? If, if I know that the if they like it. Exactly. Yes. So, th so my point exactly is to not market it to the school, but market to the parents involve the school. Because you're going to have tons of Karens on this planet <laughs> who are overly involved, helicopter parents, yeah. who would want to push this on their school. They, Do you get what I'm saying? The issue is they don't. Uh, as parents, and I'll give you now a parent's perspective. As parents, we become very lazy as soon as we pay money. Yeah. Very lazy. We expect everything to be given to us. Uh, well, you're a customer now. Yeah, I'm a customer. I'm paying. You deal with it, right? I will not go to you and tell you how to do your job. I need you to do your job, right? Figure so it out. Figure <laughs> it out, right? We're amazing at complaining. Sure. Right? 
we would complain about everything and anything. Sure. Although, by the way, now there's a lot more appreciation for schools and teachers after COVID because we had to sit down at home with our kids and try to get them uh, to attend their classes and teach them and so on. Yes and no. Not in the West. Because really? now the, the West with the whole like crazy uh, uh, trans, uh, trans uh, issues and telling like four-year-olds about racism, you know, if, if you have like oh, looked yeah, into yeah, it yeah, deeper, yeah. you've got a whole uprising of parents who are like upset about that whole notion. There was a few famous cases of, of, of a kid coming out and saying, you know, I'm non-binary or I'm, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. biological male, but I identify as a woman and then start using women's bathrooms, mm. assaulted a girl. And the parents, uh, sorry, and then the school then tried to, to cover it up and then arrested the parent. That, that, that's more of an ideological issue that they're facing. Um, what I was mostly referring to was the educational side, right? Which is Absolutely. pure, you know, science, maths, English, reading, And writing, I just realized so that, that, uh, that yeah. I'm putting you in a situation where you no. have to talk bad about your customer base. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, to, be, to be honest, um, because I don't agree with schools being involved in ideology mm -hmm. right you keep your ideology as part of you know your home upbringing of your kid right that's where you want to give them god has no religion, place in the classroom whatever yeah when you go to school of course especially in schools that are very mixed mm. right with multiple backgrounds multiple uh, ethnicities multiple religions you can bring that in I agree. Right? At the end of the day, I'm sending my kid to school to learn basics. Sure. Right? Everything else. So let's say, for example, when it comes to your relationship with God, it's your relationship with God. Absolutely. Right? The teacher cannot tell my child what their relationship with God is. To some extent, if I want to, then it's my prerogative. But I don't even believe I should be doing that. To some extent, of course. Th and that's a very great area with my relationship with my kid. But I definitely don't want the school to deal with that. I agree. I mean, you have, Absolutely. You have places like in the South, you know, where, where they, they, treat, they teach cre creationism in class. Yeah. Which is, you know, crazy, it, to me at least, you know, that has no place in anything. Yeah. If, if the accepted science is, is, uh, is evolution, then so be it. Then that's the accepted science and, and, and it should be hold, hold, beholden to that. Yeah. I, I think that... That the problem is that you have a lot of ideology teachers. Uh, 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 Jordan Peterson said it best mm. that uh, what is it like universities? Seventy or eighty percent are, are are seen as, as as liberal democratic. Yeah. Right. And and I think that is a huge problem in the social science, and it's it's wandering down to children. I, I mean, you just have to look up what's what's been happening, especially with with uh, with with um, with. Uh, the Secretary of Education asking the FBI. Uh, to put active family groups under uh, the terrorist list, Jeez. which is crazy, because because there's parents obviously who are not happy with what the school is teaching in their curriculum in their state, yeah, right, and then they they go and then they try to create action by by doing a sit-in or doing anything like that, non-violent obviously, yeah, yeah. but they still then try to designate them as a terrorist group, which is. <laughs> That's well, its own animal. Uh, at the end of the day... Uh, Sorry, uh, we're getting away from way, your business, you, by the way. You have that in every single country, by the way. Sure, you sure, sure, sure. Here you have that in, you know, in the Far East. You have that in the West. Um, you don't have that in China, though. <laughs> You're in jail. With yeah, that. pretty much. No, no, I, I mean the other side, which is sometimes uh, indoctrination. 
So basically, teach the kids from a young age about certain ideologies that you want your country to be. I mean, uh, that's why schools were invented. Up. Pretty much, right? Yeah. But then you have the basics. And I believe school, yes, you teach them about a lot of the soft skills and so on. Like, I'm pretty sure, for example, in Bahrain, you have a lot of uh, schools that are, you know, very big on climate change and saving the earth and I don't know what and so on. I'm pretty sure if they had the same curriculum in the U.S., you'll have parents objecting to that. Of course. Right? Of course. Well, all climate change and so on. I don't know why that's controversial all of a sudden. Right? It's like save the earth. Okay, fine. If you someone wants to save the earth and if someone doesn't, it's up to them. Uh, but uh, when it comes to more kind of uh, deeper issues like religion and ideology, that should stay out. I agree. Absolutely. I agree. You, know, I agree. you want... Uh, and those should definitely not be taught at a primary level. No, racism should not be taught yeah. to an eight-year-old. I mean, what? I mean, what? Uh, like, my, my sister is 12 years old, and she came to me. She lives in Saudi Arabia, and we all, uh, she's my half-sibling, and uh, asked me... Um, I'll cut out the half-sibling part. It's mean to her. Yeah. Um, but but uh, she said to me, are you transphobe? And I was like, Alia, what are you saying? <laughs> she said, are you transphobe, Hamad? I just don't want you to be one. And I was like, Alia, do you know what a transphobe I is? Yeah. She's like, yeah, uh, somebody who's against transvestites. And I was like, Alia, not only are you 12, but you live in Saudi Arabia. There are, there are no transvestites here in Saudi Arabia. No. Right? I mean, I don't know what kind of like, but this has come in. Same thing, right? This has yeah. all come in through 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 social media and what we mentioned earlier, the Western influences just Western influence. sweeping the world. Yeah. And, and and let's get away from that. And, and let's and get concentrated on business. Coming back to this, right? Uh, one of the big things <coughs> that we have um, with schools and why they like using this is they have some sort of handle on what's getting communicated, mm. right? Because it's full transparency. Everything is archived for them to access. Um, if, let's say, a teacher is communicating with a school uh, when it comes to personal data protection as well, because you're sharing pictures of kids, right? You want it to only reach the parents of those kids. You don't want it to be out there. Sure. Whether it's through WhatsApp or whatever. Of course, people can download pictures and so on. You can't stop anyone from doing it. Snapchat tried, right? But eventually, even Snapchat just decided. There's always can't some way around it. it. There's yeah. some way around that if I really want to capture it. Sure. But at the very least, you know who it was sent to. Yeah. Right? It wasn't sent out via an email that can be forwarded 500 times. Okay. You can't forward any messages here. Okay. Right? You get it. It's yours. Now, of course, you want to copy, paste, whatever. But at least I know where it came out from. So if I'm having a conversation with a teacher, being the f being a f one parent, does the s my spouse see those messages as well? Yes. Or, is that, uh, uh, or is that beholden only the communication between the teacher and me? No. So that's basically the other part, which is solves the whole issue that I had, for example, at home. Mm. With my, uh, my, my wife, sometimes we would get emails that she would only get or I would only get. Okay. Now, even if she initiates a conversation with the teacher, I'm part of that mini group. Okay. So it's both parents and the teacher. Okay. So the whole communication that's happening with the teacher, I can see. If I want to interject and mention something, I can write. My wife would see that as well. And so on. But your business is, is, is mainly focused on the communication part, right? Yes. Not on the homework part, not on task assignments. No. Right? No. It, it so 
Yes. Can we branch out into that eventually? Absolutely. Okay. But I know that now we've built a foundation that we can then build on. Like, for okay. example, we had schools that come, came to us and said, okay, why can't we take attendance with this? Okay. Right? And I'm like, this is about communication mainly. They're like, yeah, but we communicate attendance, right? I'm like, well, actually, that brought up something else. Why don't we allow parents to say that my kid is not coming to school today? Right? Sure. So we're basically now working So they're not on a just module. disappearing down the road, right? Exactly, right? But not only that, the teacher, the only way they know now is that if the parent takes the time to say, to find the email of, let's say, the reception uh, area or the teacher, hmm. write an email, my kid is sick today, they won't be showing up, right? Most, par most parents don't do that. They're like, my kid is Hali sick, wali. he's at home with me i know where he is or she is and then the teacher just finds out oh this kid is not there if the teacher is also kind of proactive she'll probably send an email and say your kid was not in is he sick or whatever most of them don't right mark them as absent and done right now what we could do is uh, or what we are planning on doing is just adding because you have two kids right adding a section where mark as sick okay. or mark as absent today Okay. Or we're traveling and holiday or whatever, yeah. Them, right? Mark it as absent. And you're done. The teacher on the other side receives, okay, these people are not coming today. Okay. Now, it makes it seamless, right? Very efficient as well. Very easy. It's very easy. I open Spring Ring as an app, as a parent, go to my child, mark absent, and I'm done. All right. L give me the pitch then. Give me the valuation. Give me the value, the aim, and the objectives. So basically, l let's start from the objectives. Okay. Right? The Going backwards. Okay, yeah. I like it. From the objective side, it's very simple, right? We're providing absolute efficiency and transparency for all the whole school or education ecosystem, right? In a way or in a let's say a time where no one has time. Okay. Right? So your pale sales Parents pitch is saving time. Saving tons of time, right? Okay. Not only for the school. No. For the school, because if I'm pitching to them, they're the one paying. If I'm pitching to them, it's like I'm saving your teachers a lot of time. I'm saving you a lot of time. And bureaucracy. And providing you, oh, bureaucracy is huge. And also providing a lot of efficiency and transparency, mm. right? You have no clue what is going on out there when it comes to communication. And you have no control over the messaging. I'm providing all this for you. From a parent's perspective, it's, again, you know exactly what's going on with your child wherever you are and at the same time it happens right you you don't need to wait until the parent evening where you sit down with a teacher for 10 minutes what's month you, or whatever and you get the rundown of everything that's wrong and uh, or everything that's good and bad sure. with your child right no if there are things happening you get them on an ad hoc basis you can tackle things in a much more proactive manner than reactive. We, we just have to mention, that's a very Middle Eastern dad attitude. <laughs> What's wrong with the kid? Yes. <laughs> that, was the first, that was the first word that came out of because it. Because at the end of the day, right, if everything's going well, well everything's going well. That's why. No, no one ever messaged you when things no. go well, right? It's always the negative. Although they, they do, and they try to tell us, oh, your kid has done this, you know, has done that, the good stuff. You know, uh, he's been awarded this certificate or that certificate, or he's... Uh, you know, got into the student council, he got elected, or he's participating in this play. So yeah, we get a lot of that. But 
as parents, the helicopter parents, right? Uh, which is basically millennials and above. Um, these parents are just hovering over their kids all over the time. Really? The time. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. They need to know everything that's going on. That's fun. Right? That's okay. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, I don't know if you, you you've seen. I it don't have a kid, so yeah, I, no, I, don't, I can't talk about this. If you've seen it issue. with a lot of the other, like we grew up, our parents didn't sit down with us and do homework. I just got yelled right. at. No, I, if you don't do homework. Yeah, I just got yelled at for whatever. Or if they re they re receive a message from the school, if they don't, they're like, okay, we're taking you to school, or de depending on the school to teach you, right? And when you come back, that's it. It's, if you have homework, you'll do it. If you don't, we'll hear about it eventually. I mean, I, my dad was was a bedou. As in, like, yeah. he grew up without electricity kind of guy. Okay. So I grew up in a very different, like, <laughs> lifestyle environment. I just remember being, I just remember yelling and beatings. That's, <laughs> that, was, that was how and it was. My, you know, it, and this is pretty much how it was everywhere, yeah. by the way. A every single person my age, right? Uh, so our parents Your dad was somebody you feared. Pretty much. That, that was it was that more fear than respect. Exactly. In a lot of cases. Yeah. So a, a lot of the time, uh, you speak to people, you know, where, you know, their parents are in their now 60s. And you'll hear the same thing. You know, our parents didn't sit down with us and do homework or followed up on school stuff or whatever. We had the parent evening maybe once or twice a year. They'll attend. Is there something wrong with my kid? No, thank you very much. I'm leaving. Allah Khalini. That was it. <laughs> that was it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it. These days, it's like, no, I want to see pictures of my kid at school. I want to know everything that's going on. Have they eaten or not? Uh, have they gone to the toilet, especially at the younger ages? Right? That's why now you have systems, uh, not ours, but other systems that are only uh, made for preschools. Okay. Where you have schedules for each child and what they've done at each schedule. Oh, they took a nap. Okay. They had this much food. They went to the toilet at this time. I feel bad for so the teachers. On. No, so that's, that's a lot that's a of like data entry. And why are they doing that? Is because there's now an expectation that's built up okay. from parents. Now, of course, and parents have this attitude, I'm paying. Sure. As right? long as it's a private school, absolutely. It's a public school. Oh, public schools know. to this day. It's like, who cares? Who cares? Right? But in private schools, it's like, no. And they have to spend on these things. Right? Now, for us, the, the whole pitch has always been, yes, okay, fine. Yeah, we need to sell. We need to pay. That's okay. But at the same time, you're, it's an opportunity cost here, right? Sure. You know, cost benefit. Sure. You're paying this much, but you're getting all this in return. And this has always been the pitch, uh, you know, with us now, most of the schools that have started off with us are still with us to this day. Okay. And, and which means we've gone through the objectives. We got the validation. We got a little bit into the aims and yeah. can you give me a little bit of a value? Oh no, value we go back to, you know, time is the main one. Okay. We always pitch with time. I'm, I'm trying to give you a tradition. So I'm trying to set this up as a segment yeah. for yourself that you can okay. then use to do whatever you want with it. And and traditionally, when you, when you look at a balance sheet or when you look at an investment or a company, right, it's always value. We try to be the Middle Eastern leaders in school reform or blah, 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 blah. Our aim is to hit these many schools in this year, blah, 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 blah. I'm trying to set it up no, for you so you can use honest, it to do whatever you yeah, want no, with no, it. Yeah, no, no, no. To be, to be honest, uh, and again, I, I don't use it that way. Um, <laughs> For one simple reason, um, the, the, there is a lot of pushback because when it comes to communication and parent communication, it's still a very immature market. The main aims is, now for us, we've actually already started with this, um, we want to be able to eventually provide the schools with the ability to run their whole 
school virtually. Okay. In any way or shape or form, they, they that's a long-term goal. Cool. That's a very long-term goal, probably a, a vision for us eventually. Now, the only way you can do that is by first creating the foundation, which we've done now, and adding all the actors within the school ecosystem. Mm-hmm. To be able to run your school virtually without having your physical presence. And how many administrators on the system do you need for it to function seamlessly? Assuming uh, every teacher for the classroom. So you have all your teachers. So you have all so your teachers uh, to run for the- For example, I'll give you one of the K-12 schools, right? Sure. So K-12 schools, you'll probably have 400 teachers. Okay. Almost, right? So from nursery all the way to year 13. Mm-hmm. You have 400 teachers on board. You have your teaching assistants as mm-hmm. well that are part of it, right? And they can be given access to the classes and contribute and so on. At the upper level, you have your heads of, you know, uh, year groups and so on. And then on another level, you have your heads of schools, so primary school, junior school, senior school, or high school, and so on. Uh, and at the very top, you have your principals. Usually administrators for those kind of schools are your IT department, okay. right? Uh, or sometimes they call them your digital systems department. Okay. Right? You have those guys managing it. For okay. most of the schools, we've had one or two people okay. that okay. have managed to manage this whole thing for them, right? Why? Because we took a centralized approach to user management, but a decentralized approach to communication. I love that marketing. Right? <laughs> so on one end, you don't want to waste time because most other systems, the teacher has to manage the users. Yeah. Add a user, remove a user, and so on. Some systems have actually offloaded this responsibility to the parents. Okay. So the teacher would just create a class, share a code, and then parents will have to manu- manually join the class, Okay. right? But then you have one parent who didn't, one parent who did, and the communication gets lost. Sure. Now we've taken all of that and put it centrally. Okay. Because who knows about any student that leaves or joins? It's the administrators. That was right? my next question of how that's That's basically where it should lie. We've put it that, uh, you know, on, on them. Even when it comes to teachers, by the way. So let's say, for example, you had a teacher that changed mid-year. Now, currently with other systems, what you have to do is you close a class, open a new class with a new teacher, I don't know what, have the parents join. Sure, sure, sure. All of this can now be done by the administrator going to this class, changing the teacher name. Email address, phone number, whatever. Only that teacher will need to log in. The old teacher will lose access. The parents would know nothing about it, apart from the name of the teacher that appears at the top. Sure. That's it. So as a parent, you don't literally don't need to manage your system. And how many cust- uh, customers are we now working with? Now, currently, we have seven. Seven customers, okay. In Bahrain, over 12,000 users. Okay, and, and you're mostly centerized in Bahrain, or are you trying to do it an international pitch? Currently, we're only in Bahrain. But okay. we now, uh, I think since beginning of this year, we've actually now branched out to market uh, outside, mainly focused on the West. We've noticed that they already have this concept in place. Sure. It's used. Uh, so we're competing against the big boys over there yeah. and trying to kind of uh, go uh, so head I was to go head. Exactly. So I was yeah. going to ask you about, about your USPs. Uh, you know, selling point uh, when you're looking at it from the bigger perspective. That, that's the, the thing. Uh, for us, that's the main thing, mm-hmm. right? It works for nurseries and it works for K-12 schools. Okay. So, so it's an all-around system yes. for that. So if you have 100 kids, okay. which is a very small school, all the way up to 2,400 kids. And, and how do you manage then the payables? Do you, do you charge them per teacher that is assigned in that school? It's per student. It's per student? Per student. 
Okay. So per student, and again, it's volume discounts, obviously. Sure. Uh, that's why we don't have really, we have a teacher plan, by the way. So any teacher anywhere in the world can set up their own class and use Spring Ring for free, forever. Mm, mm. Right? You don't need to be part of a school. We basically are in the process of creating a Spring Ring school. Okay. Where teachers from anywhere in the world can actually come on board, add their kids, and then start communicating with parents. Okay. And they're part of an overall Larger school system. called spring ring school right okay those uh, people eventually and what we're planning to do is adding the ability to uh submit resources training right? videos uh, exactly. discussions forms Whatever it is so as a teacher because apparently teacher depend on each other for resources for teaching right it's just the logistic alone gives me a headache to think about how large no, that is and course. how to manage and the, but the good thing is we don't need to manage it it's okay. self-managed by the teachers. So all the teacher needs to do is add resources, tag them to certain criteria. So let's say, for example, I'm adding a resource for, let's say, science for year one, right? I ne just need to tag it to year one science. Once that's done, other teachers, and make it shareable, of course. If, let's say, now I'm a teacher in the U.S., okay. another teacher in Bahrain goes in, goes to the resource section, and says, well, actually, I'm looking for a year one science resource. Sure. Right? and they'll find them there. Okay. They've been submitted by other teachers and they can use it and share it with their own Okay, okay, students. like like essay questions or maybe exam whatever questions it or so whatever it is. So it's basically a bank. It's sure. gonna be self-managed in a way that we don't need to get involved. Okay. It'll be built up over time. Okay. Right? But again, you with anything like this, you need to get more and more teachers on board. So that's why our marketing now targets mostly teachers. Okay. Just use Spring Ring. One, because if they use it and they like it, they can be advocates for us okay. within their own schools, right? So eventually we can talk to their administrators and then set up their whole school on it. Sure. Or on the other spectrum is uh, we're building a quote-unquote school of ourself, mm -hmm. right? Where it has all the resources, teachers are collaborating on it, they're sharing resources amongst each other and sharing it with parents and students on the other end. I think in order to, to really get that going, you should do like a credit system Mm -hmm. where, where, where teachers might be able to earn a credit that is then a, a denominated sum or something like that to encourage further sharing of resources because otherwise you're just beholden on people's goodwill. Yeah. Which often is, does, does which, not by the way, uh, take it, you very far. No, because uh, what we're doing here is we're providing the value for free, right? So the whole communication is done. They can manage their whole communication with their, with their students and parents mm. for free, right? And they're just adding this. And it's it's weird how people are just willing to share on these collaborative platforms. No, 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 Mohammed, I, I think you're misinterpreting, or you're misunderstanding what I'm, what I'm trying to say. I'm saying that for, for your summer school next project, yeah, yeah. in order to encourage teachers to share their science resources or whatever else that they've already previously made, mm -hmm. to encourage that, maybe do like some sort of coin-based system where that they can earn like, let's say $3, $5, or whatever else, that I don't know how yeah. you'd manage that you know, finance. We'll, we'll, ha we'll have to uh, manage it in a way because, again, then we have to pay them. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So, but you need to generate income from somewhere else. I, I agree. That. I agree. But no, we, we are providing them with credit when it comes to referring their admin. Sure. So their school will get a discount. Sure. Kind of thing. And that kind of works for us because, okay, they're doing this on one end. We're getting paid by the school on the other. And it might work that way. 
Uh, but yeah, that still needs figuring out. Uh, we we still exactly uh, because we I just started this a couple of week, a uh, couple of months ago. Because I, f I feel like it's it's it'll be different. It'll be difficult to convince a lot of these teachers, especially if they're like an Ivy League school or something else, to share necessarily their resources or their yeah. years of experience or do webinars or do whatever if there isn't a financial incentive Absolutely. for them. Yeah. E even if it's even if it's like awards maybe or achievements or. Something well, else. Gamify it. Gamified. You have yeah, to do yeah, something yeah. To, to encourage positive behavior. Of course. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you're just going to have like a dead form, which mm. you find like with, with a, a lot of like similar kind of entities, but aren't focused on schools. Yeah. And, and there's obviously the fear of, you know, even if they start sharing and so on, you end up also with a whole lot of collection of junk sometimes. Sure. So sure. That, that's also another pitfall. But we started this off. We Let's can just see do how it goes and then kind of work something out. I have a simple solution. Rating system. Just let 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 internally other people rate, rate that rate that resource or yeah. how good that is, and so whatever is negative can just go right to the bottom, and yeah. whatever is positive gets naturally pushed up. I mean the algorithm. Reddit way. Yeah, exactly. The Reddit way. Exactly. Up upvote. Uh, just that. upvote it, yeah. and then yeah. and I think that's the easiest way, and then you don't have to deal with the administration part. Absolutely. You, you just have to make sure that the resources that are being shared or or whatever useful or whatever. Oh, that sounds good. Right. Um, no, there's a lot of ideas. Uh, the good thing is. One thing that's known is that less than 2% of your education industry is digitized. That's a state. huge opportunity. 2%. And it's pretty much a non-cyclical industry. But I think if you're looking, first of all, I, I would really recommend reading The Fixer because I believe that mm. book will have a lot of influence on how you're going to be able to tackle uh, larger markets outside of Bahrain and the Middle East. And I think that your your main base point on who you should be hitting, necessarily in the Western market, especially in the U.S., isn't directly school administrations, mm. but rather mayors and governors, at a district level. At a district yeah, level, yeah. and just hit them we, hard. We've noticed these uh, most of these communication tools in the U.S. Mm. They target districts. They don't target schools because a lot of it is managed centrally from district levels. Exactly. Right, uh, and that's why we've seen a lot of their structure how they're structured is through districts. Exactly. Right? Uh, a little gift takes now, you a far away. Exactly. You know? and, and <laughs> in the U.S., <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the U.S., of course, uh, you have that. But uh, in a lot of other places, it's very, very different. Now, I we're mean, trying to tackle as well uh, public schools. Of course. It, it does work equally well. The only problem is how do you get ministries of education to pay for this, especially that they're always cash-strapped. Sure, yeah. sure, but I mean, if you if you can somehow show to them that it's a, a cost-benefit analysis, right, and that they're saving somehow financial resources or administration, mm -hmm. or they're or they're achieving goals potentially, yeah. saying like you know what we want our curriculum level to be X or Y or blah blah blah, and this is the most cost-effective mechanism of achieving that. Yeah, I think you have a great push, and then finally, you know, maybe a consultant or something who who has a great networking abilities yeah. you know who will take people on golf courses and stuff <laughs> that, like that that's pretty much it that's that's we, we've started by saying this right exactly well, unless you have the right connection somewhere uh, especially well not only here everywhere i mean come on there's a reason why that why the president of the united states after after being president gets invited for speaks for two million dollars and five million dollars and book sales and obviously right i mean yeah. that's that's that's, that's business yeah that's, that's just business right yeah it's so we'll, we'll see how that goes um but yeah, uh, as you said earlier, right? Um, the Bahrain market is a great launching pad. Sure. Right? Uh, because you have access to everyone. It's easy to get in touch with anyone. You always, you're always one 
step away from reaching the person you want. Sure. Because you're surrounded by one circle, you can tap into that circle to get to whoever you want. I, so a one degree away, I, I, always. I still think that your marketing strategy should be split in, into two avenues. One, in hitting district level, gov governments, whatever else, mm -hmm. mayors, uh, Governor, uh, uh, governors, whatever, whatever. And then the other aspect should be focused on, on direct to end user level. Yeah. Right. And as long as you, t you, you hit them with a one, two punch, mm -hmm. I think you're, you're, you're much more likely to achieve success, especially if, if, if like a teacher already gets that information at the same time, that district, that, pr that, that, that teacher and that parent gets somehow that same information. And yeah. when that interaction happens, that sale, is is much more guaranteed to, to, to yeah, happen. For for parents, again, we, we've actually explored that avenue. Mm. And for parents, they don't have a lot of first of all, a lot of say and they they technically they don't, don't push really hard bother. enough. They, they they don't bother. Okay. It yeah. is what it is. I, I we like to complain. Sure. Right? But yes, we have taken the dual approach by now realizing that our best advocates are teachers. Mm. Administrators have a lot on their plate, right? And usually, usually, they're not the ones dealing with the communication headache at the teacher level or class level and so on. So, yes, when we talk to administrators, it's like, okay, how much time am I gonna save? Or how more efficient is it gonna be? Uh, or we've had this where, oh, you know, emails work, right? But they don't know all the problems that arise from that, right? The best people positioned to know these problems are teachers, right? And that's why what happens is now we're doing kind of a dual approach where teachers are getting targeted with the free version where they can be part of this whole spring ring school and then you have uh, which is pretty much the same system by the way uh, just a much massive uh, no, no, larger uh, scale scale and then you have the schools on the other end that and those we're doing direct marketing to okay so it, it's again uh, both ways but the educational industry is a very very tough industry to change not education has not changed for the past 200 300 years uh, not just change right. i think that you're you're you, that you're trying to, to to get any any milk out of that yeah. industry is is a very very brave no of course <laughs> and it's a definitely an uphill fight to to uh, but by the way you'd be very surprised you're you're talking about an industry that's uh, you know in the trillions by the sure, way sure sure right so it's not for a lack of money and the other thing is it's not cyclical so covid didn't put a dent to it why? Because people needed to teach their kids. Even if I have to teach them at home, I don't care, but they need to keep on learning. Sure. Right? It's non-cyclical uh, to a certain degree. Now, of course, it's cyclical when it comes to how much we can charge, uh, when we can charge, when are they spending money, the good days and the bad. Uh, so there's that. But at the same time, they're always existing. Uh, and what's, what's, what's your... What's your, 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 your goals in the longer scope? Are you looking for investors to help fund an expansion? Or are you just driving right now and saying, hey, you know what? Our balance sheets are covered. We don't need a bigger war chest. Mm -hmm. And we're just now driving for acquisition? Uh, no, actually, no. I'm not looking at the exit just okay. yet. Um, so I'm actually opening a fundraising round in September. Okay. Right? To fundraise for mainly expansion into Saudi and UAE. Sure. Um, you know, building up sales teams over there. Uh, the, uh, my, my kitchen is still going to be in Bahrain, mm -hmm. <laughs> obviously. Uh, but just in terms of putting much more uh, boots on the ground, okay. let's say, uh, in these two markets. Uh, so and how much are you looking for your round A? 
Is this your round A or is this your round B? No, that that, that uh, this one is actually uh, going to be a seed, seed. round uh, because we only did a friend and family round okay. at the very beginning. This okay. is like three years ago. Okay. Right. So you achieved quite a lot, to be honest, with the, with the cash that he had. Yeah. Well, two things worked in my benefit. One is schools were on board from the beginning, and we managed to keep them and retain these schools. Uh, the other part, of course, is. I have another company, which is a development company. Okay. So a lot of my tech is already handled. Okay. Right. And for a tech company, if your tech is handled, sure. Then most of your costs are gone. We still have to explore the development company as yeah. well. <laughs> so at the end of the day, it worked to my benefit and prolonged my runway. Okay. Right. But in terms of now investing further in the company, meaning expansion, pushing further uh, into not only boots on the ground, but also pushing our marketing efforts into away places like the US like Europe like uh, the Far East uh, this will need obviously further investment and this is what I'm looking to raise okay uh, it's gonna be a small seed round I'm looking to one to two million okay dollars okay uh, so it's not big because again we have cash flow coming in we have schools already paying and what's the return on investors uh, well at, at this stage if the how much are you how much are you willing to give up from the the enterprise 10 percent well, 15 20 I, I won't throw out a number now <laughs> oh come on <laughs> say something what what are you comfortable giving no look my, my previous round three years ago was mm -hmm. one million okay uh, the valuation sure so that i can obviously say sure uh at this stage we're not looking at less than five okay uh, obviously now we're revenue generating that was pre-revenue sure right so now we're revenue generating we've expanded we have a further reach uh, we've developed the product much further, uh, so we're not looking at anything. Uh, are we sitting in profit five. at the moment, or Sorry? are we breaking even? Are we sitting in profit, or are we breaking even at the moment? Uh, I no, say we, much, you. <laughs> yeah. No, we're pretty much just uh, at breaking even, but not okay. from, a, let's say, a pure uh, revenue perspective and costs and expenses, okay. Okay. right, on the income statement. Of course, we haven't broken even in terms of investment yet. Sure. Uh, so... 1 million to 2 at a minimum valuation of that, but it all depends on, because uh, to be honest, I haven't done the proper valuation yet. Sure. As soon as we do the fundraising round, we're going to see how and that is. How do, you, how do you expect the fundraising round to happen? Are you going to try to hire a consultant with a defer payment to try to put them out and, and, and just, hey, you know what, go to VCs, go to... Uh, no one can sell your business better, better than, than yourself, yeah. you think? So this is something that I'm going to be running, okay. uh, mostly. And we, I've already done this, and I've explored it and put out feelers before. Really? Because yeah. I always felt like like the, the best way of getting a higher evaluation is to get the market to, to talk about it, right? And the best oh, way of to course. the of best course. is to have key players, consultants, and whoever else to just true ram up that business. <laughs> true to some extent, uh, but uh, unless you're willing to go, uh, you know, uh, and butt heads with these people, sure, and VCs, which I'm, I'm willing to do, sure, I, it's fine. Um, then, yeah, and to be honest, this is something because we're not cash strapped, right? We're not running out of money. So basically, when I, I go there and raise, it's basically to expand uh, with much more kind of momentum. Because you can like I do it without the money? I can do it without the money you're, you're at a slower pace. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, but 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 you're always on a you're always on a time crunch, right? Of There's course. always new competitors entering the market. Absolutely. There's always things changing in the market. So so the faster you can focus on expansion, the the faster you're sitting on profit. And there you, you go. You know, you've got your barriers of entry so yes. slowly building up. And, and um, your biggest cost, I would assume, would be labor, right? The programmers. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, th that's <laughs> pretty much the only cost yeah. at this stage. Uh, servers maybe a little bit, but tiny amount, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. No, uh, servers are like uh, at this stage now with almost 12,000 users, you're talking about daily users in the thousands. Sure. Right? Um, but there's not a lot of upload and download occurring, right? So well, unfortunately, there is because you have really? a lot of pictures and why don't you just limit that? It's limited. Okay. But when you share pictures of kids with parents, uh, there's going to be a lot of downloads. There now your we, comp your compression sucks. Then I assume. No, no, we're, our compression is working. We're uh, doing a lot of caching and so on. So it is it is fine. But of course, when I say by the way, there is a cost. You're talking about, you know thousand dollars a month max okay right i'm not talking about the million sure 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 sure. right but that scales up very quickly it scales though. up very quickly by the way so now we have a new school getting onboarded in september mm. or in august actually so in august right away you're expecting more right because you're yes you're getting more money you're spending more money on servers at the same time it just goes up as you go and you're with aws or with, with aws aws yeah. okay so we managed to also get a lot of credit from aws that worked out well for us especially in the beginning now of course we're paying but again that's covered through income we i have i have nicholas on he's head of the middle east startup uh, okay. uh for amazon startup he's head of middle eastern startup accelerator for for africa and the middle east something like that is his okay. title so so i'll, I'll definitely from aws from itself. AWS itself. Okay. Uh, so he's supposed to come on sometime later on this week, and uh, I'll definitely try to put you guys two in oh, touch. Oh, please do. Yeah. Since you're already yeah. a customer. We're a customer. Uh, we're been a customer for now five years almost. Sure, because yeah. they have an office here in Bahrain. Oh, they did? Yeah, uh, Am Amazon has a, well, it's it's not like. They have AWS as data center. They have uh, an AWS stable center, but do yeah, you know. But the whole, you know, startup and acceleration and so on, I don't know if they're based in Bahrain. They're based in Bahrain. Oh, really? You know where, yeah. where Hilton Hotel is? Not yeah. the Hilton, the Four Season. Okay. That, that little island yes. thing. Do you remember there's like a weird shaped building on the left? Which weird one? They're all weird. So as you go <laughs> into the island. <laughs> you mean the Arcapita building? I don't know the name, uh, but it's like on the left. two arcs on the, the bottom and it's like. So a rectangular kind of. If you're driving there, in front of you is the Four Seasons. On the left, it's that building. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. in front of me, the Four Seasons. Sure. If I go straight, it's on the left side, right? Sure. That's the R Capital building. That's where Amazon yeah. sits. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's there. I don't know if they if they if they have the name Amazon on it or if they're using like a. Like they usually a use AWS. No, 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 no. But uh, sorry, uh, sorry, I didn't mean it that rude. <laughs> <laughs> what I was trying to say is that n n a lot of these Western companies will will often will often have a, a shell corporation name. Yeah. Am uh, Apple does it, for example, with with uh, uh, Realv. They actually okay. have an office in Realv, but it's not under Apple. It's under like some other weird name. Oh, okay. No, no. AWS but they have an actually uh, their name here. I yeah. know that I know that for a fact. I know that AWS is, is AWS's yeah. name, but I I don't know if they registered in the building as AWS or if they registered it under a shell corporation and then operate oh, okay. AWS st oh, staff there. Easy, easy to find out. Yeah, <laughs> sure. But yeah, yeah I I okay. I am ninety five percent sure that's that's the building because I was looking for office space, and as as I was walking around in there, uh, I saw a lot of badges with AWS and stuff okay. like that, and that's when it clicked in my head. And I okay. think they even have like like on the elevator. I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah. But yeah, please do get me in touch if, uh, if that's possible. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so th that's basically uh, what I've focused on uh, sure. in the next days. But yeah, you have uh, my other company, which is basically a development company. Sure. That's my bread and butter. Real estate or? No, no, no. My development, uh, as in uh, digital development company. Uh, okay. This one. 
So Viatech is what started this all off. Basically. So tell me about Viatech. Uh, just simply digital development. So mobile applications, web systems, okay, uh, consultancies, uh, all these kind of things when okay. it comes to your end-to-end -end kind of development cycle. Sure. This is what we do. But, but you have to understand that, that that you definitely know what you do, but the people watching definitely don't know <laughs> what yeah. Veltech is. That's why I I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much, if you put it this way, sure. we develop mobile applications and websites okay. and online systems. That's pretty much uh, what we're focused on. Customer uh, base here in Bahrain? Customer base across worldwide. the Gulf. Uh, okay. Because this is a very pure service-based company and it's project-based, right? So service is Can a big... Can you scroll down, Dan? Sorry to interrupt you. So service is big? I need to get a mouse here. That's what I need. I need to get a mouse to, to <laughs> okay. And again, no Bahrain, right? Uh, what do you, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unless you're bothered to check our address. Oh, you do? Okay, okay. Yeah, Which you one? do have some Bahrain stuff on it. Okay. You might know some of them. Okay. How, how, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we have clients in Dubai. Uh, British Council is one of our biggest ones. We just launched their MENA mobile application. Okay. So now it's currently used in uh, Middle East and North Africa. Did you not get the, did you try to get the contract for the COVID app? In Bahrain? Yeah. Oh, that would have been uh, very tough. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, uh, but we have the e-government here that usually does either internally or they outsource to their trusted partners. I'm surprised the that, that they have anything part. internally. I think they would just like, like source it outwards. Kind of, yes and no. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, we've had more luck with the private sector than we've had with the public one. It is what it is. Yeah, but uh, you know, the Bahrain.com website we've done, uh, which is uh, a website that basically yeah. they've used for their main tourism uh, and agenda. And how do customers usually find you? Word of mouth? Uh, now it's becoming a lot of word of mouth. Of course, when I started, when I first left the bank uh, in 2012, uh, it was a lot of me working out my connections. Okay. But when it comes to uh, these days, it's a lot of word of mouth um, and a lot of online search. So we get a lot of inbound queries mm -hmm. coming in. Uh, so that's working out well for us. We're well known in the market in terms of anyone who really wants to develop an app or a system or something like that, they would usually ask around. Our name has to pop up somehow. So how much, can you give me a ballpark of how much an app would cost? Because I do have a, a, a past, uh, 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 and client is the wrong word, past guest, mm -hmm. uh, who has developed an app called Han Hanlo? Hanlo? The it, pets. It's like a pets thing. Yes. Have you already, okay, so you've I already been in contact it. with him. No, 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 but uh, I know about it. Okay. Because he's just gone through Flat Six Labs, the accelerator. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, he told me that I think the cost setup. Can you give me a, a ballpark how much um, it would have cost with you? Look, costs, we've done apps. The lowest we've done is probably six, seven K. Okay. That's the lowest in dinars. Okay. Right? Six, seven was the lowest, and we've gone all the way up to 60, 70. Okay. Okay. So it all depends on how complex your uh, whole system is. Okay. Because when people talk about an app, they talk about what they see. Sure. Right? What they download from the app store and what they see. Sure. But there's tons going on behind the scene, right? Sure. So you have to build a backend. You have to build integrations. You have to uh, get it on your proper hosting. Probably a lot of integrations with thir third-party systems, like, for example, for OTPs, for 
emails and I don't know what, uh, payment gateways. So a lot of that comes into play. Uh, a lot of people don't notice this. So we've had a lot of people come to us and say, oh, we, we need to build a chat system. Mm. Um, <laughs> I was just telling my team the other day, oh, we need to build a chat system. Well, okay, well, what do you need a chat system to do? And they're like, you know, what's up? <coughs> and I'm like, you know how big WhatsApp is and how complex it is and how many people are just working on maintaining that app? Do, do, you, do you have a clue how much these things cost? And the problem is there's still, in Bahrain, it's changing, but I had a lot of education to do towards my clients into how much work goes into building these things. That's what, that's what was my, my next thing that I was going to say is one of the key things I feel like that most businesses are, are missing, mostly in the Middle East, is, is they don't do enough education for their customers. They don't create enough content. Yeah. I mean, I mean like your content is, is very cute, but it's not very educational in the yeah. sense of like, do you know what I mean? I, like, I, like well, see we have the data, right? So let's say, for example, sure. Uh, we've tried to do, you know, the ones on the right. Over sure, there. sure, sure, you sure. Know, sure. Your privacy matters. I don't know what this is actually educational. Sure. Right. So we you scroll through and we talk about things in a very simple way. Yeah. And we have these and we have our portfolio. So sure. the guys have kind of split it up. I get I get <laughs> it. The least performing ones are the educational ones. Yeah, because it's text. Nobody wants to read. Uh, you mean videos? Yes. Yeah, videos you, will take a lot of time and uh, effort. Guy, come on, uh, you get, you get. To be honest, then it's about okay. Do I have uh, the energy to go ahead and do these things? Oh, come on, you you get one of your staff to write a simple <laughs> script. You hired like a nice, cute girl, a model or something, yeah. and then she like talks about how important data security is and yeah. or or whatever. No, but 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 see, this is the thing, right? Um, what eventually now we've become is uh, I get a lot more on the consultancy side than what I get about uh, on the development side. Of course, you've, right? you're established now. Yeah, so basically a lot of people come to us and they're like, okay, I have an idea, mm -hmm. right? And that's pretty much it. And I'm, I'm like, okay, what is your idea? So they'll come, describe the idea in general terms, and they'll d usually describe it how the users want to experience, experience it. it. Without any A-B testing, which is always great. Oh, by the way, the, forget about A-B testing. They, they don't even have a clue what A-B testing is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they have no clue how to build it, where to build it, uh, where do they start. And then it becomes, okay, so you have no clue how this will work. But forget about, you know, um, tech and what kind of tech you want to use. Uh, we're not even getting into that. Just in terms of the user flows, you know, how am I going to log in? Mm. Okay. When I log in, how am I going to register? When I register, what will happen? Uh, what will I see? Um, do you, do I need to provide this? Do I need to provide that? All these flows, right? No clue. Well, we're ready. I think oh, next guest is already on. I mean, uh, uh, four. Yeah. I uh, Dan, can you handle the situation while we finish it up soon? But yeah. yeah. So uh, this, this is pretty much what uh, happens, right? So we end up spending a whole nice month just consulting, right? The issue now becomes in Bahrain is that people think that this is free, right? Shit, so, so they waste a lot of down, your time. They're like, oh, this is, uh, because it's one of two things. One is, oh, it's your sales process. So you have to. I'm like, no, I don't. My sales process is, I'm going to build this for you. My portfolio speaks for itself. I can deliver. Now you have to just either sign and then we can start or not. 
but they would sit down with you three or four times to get the consultancy out, right? Not necessarily to sign off. And usually with people who sign, they object to my first cost, okay, which is the consultancy part. Oh, really? The business analysis and consultancy, which sure. is me how much you charging if you can say. Now the problem is that's the most expensive part. Sure. Because you are basically getting all my experience. Yeah, 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 yeah Into yeah. that, right? Developing it, I'll send it to India. I so don't mind. So if do you, you think? Want. Do you think it's better if you charge them on an hourly rate then, and be well, like? That's how we do it. Yeah. Right. That's how we do it. We tell them, look, this is how. It works, the consultancy. Now, because you want to do the whole project, I can give you a better rate on the consultancy. I've had a guy who sat down with me on a 60,000 dinar project, hmm. arguing about a 4,800 dinar consultancy. Okay. And how did he, s how did he finally close that pitch? You gave up on the 4,000 or did you make up the 4,000 somewhere else? No, uh, I basically, you just told at this point, I insist, right? Okay. I'm like, look, because all this I'm doing. Yeah. Right. This is not a fresh graduate coming in or something like that. This is something I'm doing. And technically, it's like you going to EY and asking to sit down with a partner. Sure, sure, sure. Right. Sure. I can sit you down with a junior and then you can deal with that. But you're, if you're sitting down with me, it costs more. It's sure. just how <laughs> it works, right? No, no, no. So I totally agree. At the end of the day, it's like, okay, this is expensive. Yes, I know, but it's necessary. M my brother, uh, he owns a marketing company in Germany called Bestseller. I, I know. Okay. <laughs> but he, he, he worked with AD, um, ACDC, uh, Schwarzkopf, uh, Volvic Water, mm. like a bunch of like bigger brands. Yeah. And he told me, this was when I was starting, still starting off, he said, I, uh, any meeting I take, I'll, I'll take like the discussion on the phone. Yes. But if they're expecting to sit with me in an office and we're discussing ideas, that's 500 euros an hour. That's it. That's just like an hour and an, NDR, and an NDR has to be signed mm -hmm. that, that these ideas belong to me yep and if you if you want to take these ideas and work with somebody else you can do that but there's going to be a fee and you have to pay me for them exactly to basically get me out of the NDR exactly yeah. and and he said he said of course you lose a lot of potential clients mm -hmm. but it is acting almost like a filter system of course right absolutely I used to be someone who would give a lot of time in the hope of closing projects. Yeah. But then what happens is they just use you, your time for free. Sure. To get to the point where they fully understand now what they have to do. Sure. And then take their business somewhere else. And I've had situations like that. Well, so now it's like, no, you want to sit down. Now, I don't charge per hour on like your brother because in the West, actually, it's an accepted practice mm -hmm. at this point. Uh, here, it's like a big no-no. It's like, even if you charge for consultancy, they're like, no, how come you're charging me for consultancy? Uh, I don't even know you. <laughs> no, they know me. It's not about that. It's like, no, because I'm giving you a project and you're working on it. Why are you charging me on consultancy? I'm like, yeah, but there, you can terminate the contract anytime, right? So I need to cover that cost as well. You know, My uh, time isn't free, obviously. Obviously. But here, there's no value for time. The only people that have managed to kind of put this in place are lawyers. Yeah. Now, yeah. And the big four, of course. Yeah. So your EYs and KPMGs and lawyers. So the law industry, all of it, that's covered. People know you pay for by hour. Everyone else, no, you're expected to give me your time. So so th <laughs> there's, there's a fantastic guy called, I'll try to remember his name. It wasn't Tim Dillon. It was Joey Diaz. And okay. he, he made an argument and he said that he never pays his lawyer on time. 
Mm. He says, because when, 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 when I call the lawyer, that costs me money. Yeah. But when the lawyer calls me to want his money, I can then ask him about whatever else I'm facing. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's already on the phone and he's the one yeah. who called me. He, he's taking it to another level. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's, that, yeah. yeah. He's a criminal, yeah. pure and pure. <laughs> but he had some great ideas, and I can't believe that that he managed to live this long without being murdered. Yeah, but uh, no. In, in any case, uh, there's uh, there's a big shift. Uh, a lot of people now know that these things cost money, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people have been burnt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're like, oh, you know, I can do it myself. I'll hire a freelancer in India. They'll get it done for me, and it's fine. They don't see that that the the whole point of hiring a company here is for project management consultancy uh, and service you're not hiring developers developers come and go and r- there's tons of developers out there do you think you'd be better off if you if you if you kept or used your, your Canadian passport instead of the Bahraini when you were marketing <laughs> yourself here well I, I don't have the passport per se the citizenship works a lot of people here obviously it's Muhammad so yeah it doesn't matter what you, no, you, you can use, use just the, yeah you can oh, just but a lot of people told me look what you should do is because I can open a company in Canada from Bahrain, right? Sure. Open it there, okay? Hire a white dude in Canada. Just let him attend meetings with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell them you're just a branch of a Canadian company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's how the that'll 19 make a difference. That w- that was how the <laughs> 1980s with with uh, black bankers, they would hire yeah. a white dude to just be just sitting in the be meeting. Seen in the meeting. Yeah. So Although the brains are someone else. Exactly. Yeah. But th- it just seems to, uh, a lot a lot of hassle sometimes when. You know, it's just a mentality thing. Yeah, oh, sure, know? but he, I mean, what's the point of <laughs> y- what's the point of swimming upstream? Yeah, you're not a salmon, right? Of Swim downstream, so. save yourself the save energy, the energy and time. Exactly. Yeah. If that probably make more money. If way more money, and you have less headache <laughs> because then you can just blame it to that non-existent dude. <laughs> it's not my fault that the, that it's not done yet. You yeah. know, John. You know, <laughs> told me that this project is more important, but I'll message John. Yeah. Well, there's a lot uh, to un- unpack there. Uh, Absolutely. But yeah, no, uh, with, with Vitek, it's been now a lot of smooth sailing. Um, you know, the processes are established. Of course, you can always do better. We have clients across the Gulf, uh, so we're not restricted to Bahrain. Mm. Um, it's much more established and known business than Spring Ring is. So the focus has always been on Spring Ring and getting that out. Makes sense. So uh, let, let's see how that goes. Absolutely. Uh, especially now after COVID, let's see how things go with the whole economic situation we know recessions are in play so we're all hoping for the best <laughs> let's hope it let's hope it just closes and, and everything comes back to normal anything else you'd like to add how would people find you uh well uh you can find me online but i'm sure you're going to share that anyway. of course of yeah. course so uh any, anything anyone needs but uh was great uh, We'll definitely do this. We'll definitely do this again. I'd l- I'd love to have you on again. We can we can talk about your oh your absolutely s- your, your t- tech tons business. Of, tons of things that we didn't talk about. Forget about the the tech business. Sure, absolutely. But, uh, but it, it seems that there's a lot of debate to be had. Yeah, we can have <laughs> lo- we we can definitely come back on and do some more. Anyways, absolutely. dude, it was a pleasure, Mohammed. Thanks a lot. Oh, come on, let me help you out.